And welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 197. Yeah, we are. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. It seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy do who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week. And that you've managed, you've to, managed do to something, Doctor, Doctor Who. Alright. Alright. Are we awake yet? Have we woken up? No, I haven't. <laughs> Still knackered. Yeah. From the throes of London Film and Comic Con. You know, I'm quite bold anyway. Mm. But what ha- little hair I have got left has gone completely white. <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> With the stress. Mm. Uh, Wowzers. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> so, yeah, you guys probably knew what or know what we were up to last weekend. Just gone. Mm. Mm. Hope you guys were. We didn't min- manage to meet all of you guys there. We saw plenty of tweets and stuff and mm. uh, messages saying, I saw you in the queue, but I, you know, you were busy and I was busy and I saw you <laughs> over there, but you were talking and then I had to go off somewhere. So uh, we met up with so many cool people, but to the people that we didn't manage to uh, to say hello to and grab a selfie and stuff, we're very sorry. It was a quite, quite a busy weekend, it turned out to be. It was it was well full on, wasn't it? I mean, I, I there you know one of my friends, Richard, was coming down to to it, and I only really see him once a year at these events, and I didn't even get to meet him all day. We kept missing each mm. other, and funny enough, someone's just sent me literally about half an hour before we start, you know, started skyping. Uh, someone has just sent me a picture of my back of me in the in a queue <laughs> and said, "Oh, I saw you," and I was like, "Did you? Oh, sorry, I missed you." So yeah, I took a picture of you in the queue for Davison. I was like, "All oh, right." That's as close as they got as yeah. a picture of my back, which is lovely. Uh, but yes. yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty full on, wasn't it? It was. Yes. So I hope you guys did something Doctor Who related. If you weren't in the UK or if you were, you didn't get down to LFCC. Hope you did something at least. Mm. Uh, but we did have a, a great weekend. It was a very because originally you and I planned to. Well, this is months ago. We said we're going to do everything on the Saturday. And then we're going to have a chill day on Sunday. That was the original. <laughs> That's what I planned, yes. Plan a few a couple yes. of months ago. But as always with these things, there was lots of changes. There was guest announcements right up until the last minute. Oh, my goodness, There was yeah. uh, guest announcements. So all of our plans literally, yeah, The uh, it was a bit like getting trapped under the TARDIS central column going up and down 
and just sort of being trapped between the glass panels and looking out. <laughs> that that was our, if we could imagine a meme like that. That was our plans. Just getting squeezed up and down the central column of the TARDIS. It was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It yeah, was, uh, ridiculous. But it ended up being a great weekend. Very busy, and I'm still tired. And it put my man flu back a day as well because I'm. Oh no! Yeah. I was hoping to get because I was getting over it, and my voice was shot to bits while I was there, but. Mm. I was hoping to get over it, but it's put me back a day because I'm just so knackered, but it was good. It, it was worth it. I think, um, you know, uh, I think I said on the Saturday when I got home, something along the lines of I'm never doing another <laughs> <laughs> London film and comic con ever again. Um, but I'll tell you what, I I totally reversed by Sunday. Um, I was totally, you know, I was loving it. And, 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 and the, looking at the weekend as a whole, very happy with all the picks and stuff I got. And it is, it is a stressful thing. It's a stressful event. I mean, I think everyone, you know, looking at everyone's posts afterwards, I think everyone's the same. It's like, it's such a full on, you know, in your face sort of stressful day, but it's kind of like, as long as you get the stuff you want, it is worth it in the end. I mean, but it is, yeah, there's no two ways about it. You've got to be prepared to just get into the crowds and and, and, mm-hmm. and do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, overall, I did really enjoy it, actually. Um, but yeah. the contrast between Saturday and Sunday for me was was massive. I mean, as I said, Saturday, I wasn't initially going because I was trying to save money. I thought, I'm just going to do the Sunday, get the guests on on Sunday, and, and you know, that's that. <laughs> but then they, they announced the schedule a few days before, which they always do because they, they keep it right to the last minute because obviously there's so many changes. They, you know, I understand why they do it so that, because if they put it up a month before, it would be pointless anyway, because by the time you got to the event, the schedule will have completely changed anyway. So I get why they put it up like literally last minute, but it is frustrating as well. But yeah, I looked at the schedule and I was just like, you know, if I want to meet the people I want to meet, I've really got to just splash the dosh and go on the Saturday as well. Plus, I was thinking it'll make the weekend less stressful because I'll be two days to soak it all up. Because there's a lot there, you know. It's not just about guests. There's loads of stalls. There was Daleks. There was Tardises. You know, there was a lot to see there. So you know, I was thinking actually, yeah, I'll spend the extra money and, and go on the Saturday because you'd booked the whole weekend as well. So I thought, yeah, let's do this. But I'd purposely sort of only booked like two shoots on the Saturday, so that should have been quite calm. And on the Sunday. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, um, the schedule, all the doctors that were booked, and we'll get on to how many they managed to get at the end in just a second, all the doctor photo shoots clashed. So mm-hmm. they're all at the same time. I don't know why they did that. I'm sure there was a reason. But my goodness, did it make for extra stress on the Sunday <laughs> trying to rush around to get them all. So, yeah. But, yeah, as it turned out, um, and we'll go into a bit more in-depth, but as it turned out, um, the Saturday for me I really didn't enjoy, uh, and I'll get on to my reasons why once we get into it, but I, I was just, I'd had enough. When I got home on the Saturday night, I was quite down, actually, quite the opposite to what I should have been feeling, and I was dreading Sunday. I thought, God, if this is the Saturday, let Sunday, I just need to get it over with. I was just dreading it, and yet, actually, Sunday was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed Sunday. I had such a good day. Thank goodness, because it kind of put everything into balance, you know, we're reflecting back on the weekend as a whole. I did enjoy it, and I've sort of analysed what bits went wrong and why they went wrong and stuff like that, and um, but overall, it was, a, it was a great weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, how, was how was it for you, mate? Because I got the feeling yours was a different experience to mine. 
Yeah, I I really enjoyed it overall. It was, um, but yeah. I I, don't, I know what you mean though. You mentioned earlier that when it's all said and done, it's like, oh, I'm not doing that again. And then mm. it's a bit like when you're, it's a bit like when you're really hungover. It's like I'm never yes. drinking again. I'm never drinking yeah, again. This yeah. is terrible. And then you know, yeah. whenever the next do is on, you find yourself drinking again as you did before. But it's, exactly. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. But I, I had a great time. I was, uh, I was kind of the. It was weird because on the Saturday I was kind of there in like a Star Wars capacity sort of thing, mm. really, because um, I'm working on a couple of things Star Wars related at the moment. So I got to meet um, a couple of people there, some other Star Wars blogs and a podcast there and stuff. And um, but then I sort of tr- transferred over to Doctor Who. You know. Once we uh, met some Doctor Who people, we hung out and, and all that stuff. And then the Sunday was much the same. I mean, it, the Sunday got turned on its head at last minute on the Saturday, as we'll come yeah. on to. Um, yeah. And it was really busy. So, like I said, we planned to have a chill day on the Sunday, but it just went absolutely mental and we ended up having a really busy couple of days. And there was only a couple of points where I could actually slow it down a little bit and enjoy it, and that was quite early mm. in the morning. So I got there around... Um, well, on the Saturday, I was late, actually. I got there around uh, 20 past 10. Um, and then before I met up with a load of people, I just spent half an hour walking around on my own and having a look around. But on the Sunday, I got there about half nine, and I did the same thing. I just spent an hour or so toddling around and doing your own thing, which I think is mm. needed, because you did yeah. a similar thing at the end of the day, didn't you? But I did, yeah. Yeah, but no, it was great. I had a great experience, mate. There wasn't anything disastrous for me there wasn't any problems as such there wasn't any uh anything that you know miffed me off or anything um mm. so my experience there, was a little bit different to yours there was a near miss though for you wasn't there on the saturday uh, which there could was. have been disaster with ray park yeah so um i don't want to go too much into it because as we said a million times this is not a star wars podcast but no i, I booked to see um a, a photo shoot with ray park and his his batch well, i think i was on batch uh, one or two, one of the early ones, and his photo session kicked off at ten. And um, thank God for our good friend Martin um, Bad Wilf because he had um, he had hooked me up with a press pass, which means I didn't have to uh, queue with everybody for over an hour to get in. I could just zoom straight in. But my tr- mm. there was a problem with the train, and one was cancelled, so I had to leg it there. And I got there, and. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm here for a park. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late. And they were like, I'm sorry, we're, we've just closed it up. He's going to be moving on to signings in a minute. So I was like, oh no. So I was sort of scratching my head and they noticed I had my press pass band on. And I said, oh, your press. Ignore what I just said. Come through, you know, <laughs> you can have a picture. And he was just sat on the table sort of swinging his legs. And, mm. and because I had my press band on, he assumed that after the photo, I was going to do an interview with him. So I was like, okay. Uh, Okay, so I didn't have a recording device or anything. I just sat there and and had a chat with him for five minutes, between sort of five and ten minutes, and it was brilliant because I went from, you know, potential disaster. Oh, no, I've missed it, you know, because there's no refunds. If you miss it, no, you miss it. No, if you miss so your photo shoot, you've had it. That's yeah. your lot. So uh, I was really lucky. So thank the stars for our good friend Martin. I am at least a couple of points now mm, when yeah. we next meet up, but... Uh, so that was really cool. So disaster averted, had a really good catch up with Ray Park and a nice photo. And, and just to let, I was going to say, just to let non-Star Wars fans know, Ray Park played Darth Maul, the big 
the big red bad tempered tomato that's in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, fan- is it no is it which one is the he phantom, in? phantom menace phantom menace it is yes. phantom menace yeah so yes. well that's very cool mate but uh, we should talk about the doctor who gets though because showmasters yeah. absolutely Crikey. i mean they didn't yeah. just pull it out of the bag this year did they it's quite incredible they what were they the actually i mean <laughs> it may have been chaos and the organization and, and and stuff and the way it was announced and all that you know putting that to one side for a second what they managed to achieve was incredible mm-hmm. actually yeah. they got every single living doctor at the event apart from jody and mccoy who cancelled yes so everybody yeah. was there um and I don't know if that's ever happened before. So Tom Baker, Davison, uh, Colin Baker, McGann, Eccleston, Te- uh, Tennant announced the 11th hour on the Saturday <laughs> while nice we're plan. there, which yep. we should go into <laughs> Smith and Capaldi all in one venue. Um, I mean, it, I still can't quite believe it. And uh, David Bradley, if you want to count him as the and first yes, doctor. Yes, of course. Yep. The lovely David Bradley, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's just quickly talk about Smith because he, we can believe, uh, sorry, Tennant. I keep doing that. <laughs> I think it's because it's Dr. It's John Smith. Yeah. So Tennant announced at the last second on the Saturday we were there. So we were in a queue for Ingrid Oliver, I think, yes. getting her autograph yep. when when uh, one of our friends came over and showed you her phone and said, oh, Tennant's been added. And you were like, yeah, whatever. And so was I. I was like, don't be silly. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, no, he has. Tickets are on sale now. And we were like, what? So we're, everybody like jumped on their phones, didn't they, to try and book him because he was announced for the, you know, the next day, the Sunday. And we're all at this event. And I think everybody at that event was just on their phones trying to book him because the site completely crashed, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you could get tickets downstairs, which a few people did from their little sales desk, but the queue for that was just massive. So it was, um, it was chaos, but a lot of people, I mean, you, uh, you managed to get one. Uh, most of the people I was hanging around with managed to get one. So, you know, people did manage to book it, but obviously the site was under immense pressure because of the, the last minute announcement. Mm-hmm. So, but to get tenant there, I mean, I didn't think we'd see that. I, I really couldn't quite get my head around it. I was just like, wow. Yeah, I mean, Eccleston was a yeah. big one. They managed to get Eccleston to his first convention, but mm-hmm. to get to get tenant back again. I mean, I don't know. I know he's done showmasters before, but it's quite some time ago, I think. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a domino effect, really. They they nabbed Eccleston. I remember we had the whole controversy around his pricing and everything. And yeah. But then, yeah, Matt Smith was announced, and you were like, "Amazing!" Then you booked up. Oh, I couldn't Matt believe Smith, it. Didn't you? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, last minute they somehow got Tenant in. I mean, they must have. I know that those the, the big one that Showmasters do, this big London one, pulls in an awful amount of money, but they must have spent some serious cash on. Smith, I was thinking this, yeah, especially Smith and Tenant, but obviously Eccleston and and Capaldi, but. Yeah, they must have splashed the cash to uh, to get those guys in. I was thinking this, funny enough, and and I and I don't know. I don't know how these things work, but I wonder. Do you think? Do you think they could had to wait to the last minute to see if they could afford it? Do you know what I mean? Do you think they looked at what they'd sort of taken on the photo shoot so far with Chris and Matt and everyone, and and thought, right, mm. we've got enough budget to get him? Or I don't know how these things work because it was so last minute. I've heard lots of different reasons for it, and I don't know if any of them are true. But but my favourite one is that I've heard that that Tennant said to Joe Masters that he. 
didn't want to be announced the last minute until he knew he could 100% do it because he didn't want to be seen to cancel and let fans down. Now, okay. I don't know if that's right. true. I don't even know how that story has started, but that's what I was told when we were sort of mingling with people afterwards. That he just said, like, you know, as soon as I can confirm 100% I can be there on the Sunday, I'm in. Mm. But I don't want to say yes and then cancel and let people down. So I don't know if that's true, but if I like to think it is. I liked it because it was so frustrating at the time mm-hmm. to try and get tickets. I like to think there was a good reason for it. Yeah, so I've got a different theory. What's your theory? I reckon that he was on board when uh, Daddy-in-law was, was confirmed because yes. he could get a lift home. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because Peter Davidson was added like four days before well he's he was another late one yeah yeah he so, literally got added last minute as well yeah yeah so he probably thought think oh, he sweet. said come on david yeah, yeah. come on david yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought oh jump in with daddy no worries yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. bear in mind that david Tennant only lives what 20 minutes away from the venue exactly he yeah it's the other side of london so for him in in a driven car you sound like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> a tenant stalker. He only lives up there. I'm, I'm pretty house. sure. I'm pretty outside sure. his house, a bit at the end of his drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he lives near Chiswick, around that area. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I've, I've heard he does, but so I don't. Not a million miles away. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, tenant was nuts. I mean, I can't tell you the experience. We'll come on to the other guests in a minute, but just mm-hmm. to get him out of the way, it was. I can't tell you how. Uh, just how nice he is, mm. and I, I know we say that about a lot of people, but I, to me, Tennant really carries the torch in terms of he—he he just gets it. If mm. that makes sense, he—he yeah. he gets that people have been queuing up for God knows how long, and he gets that because I think in his mind, because I think there are certain guests that treat this in certain ways, and we can talk about this for a long time, but just very mm. quickly. I think there are certain guests that are not as sensitive to these things as others. So you have some people that are there and signing autographs and they're happy to do it, but they see it just as a um, as, as a, a little bit of a cash cow, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they, they turn up and they know they're going to get a minimum amount plus whatever they take on top of photos and autographs and so on. But David Tennant just seems to get the fact that not only do we pay our money to go there, but he sort of gets the fact that, yeah, these people are only potentially going to see me for three seconds in their entire life. Mm. You know, once this photo shoot is done, because they did say when we were queuing up one of the um, one of the uh, organisers, you know, she was sort of bellowing out saying, this is going to be one of the quickest photo shoots we've ever done. There's no time for handshakes, for chats or anything. You're mm. going to be standing next to David, and then you're gone. So it's two seconds. And I think David Tennant actually gets that. You know, he knows that, you know, this little, you know, this 10-year-old kid or this 40-year-old man, whatever, Mm. is going to see me and stand next to me for two seconds, and it's going to be amazing for them, and then I'm going to forget them. and But they're going to have this moment for the rest of their life. And I think he gets it, and he's just so... I don't know, he just looks you in the eye. And we did shake hands, you know, a lot of people mm. shook hands with him and he looks you in the eye and he says, you know, he's just so humbled that you're paying money to just have a quick photo with him. So mm. the reason why I love Tennant, not just because he's my doctor, but he 100% understands all of that fan stuff. 
Mm. You know, I think it's because he's it. a fan himself, mate. That's what I think right. it is. Yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. he's a Doctor Who fan. So he was probably there. He was in our place once upon a time. So I think he gets it. And I think Capaldi's the same, you know. Out of all the Doctors yeah, that, yeah. that I've met, I think Tennant and Capaldi just strike me as being the same because Capaldi was unbelievably generous with his time at LFCC. I mean, I only got a photo shoot with him, but apparently his autograph session completely overran and apparently he stayed an extra hour like literally after the event was well as the event was closing he stayed an extra hour and just to make sure everyone got their auto stuff and i don't know if anyone else did that but you know he, he's cool. you know but i i get it with ten i mean I, I wasn't lucky enough to get a tenant shoot so i was really i i can't lie i was depressed as hell on Saturday night, I was really down about it because I hadn't really enjoyed Saturday anyway. So I was really, really down in the dumps on Saturday, feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get one. But I have to say, I haven't seen everyone's pictures with him. He, he just does come across as like the best guy, you know. And I think, yeah, yeah, I really hope he does more because I was got to miss out on him. But yeah, yeah, I can see from his photos, he's just so he's pulling fake, you know, poses, and I can just see exactly what you're getting at. He mm. just seems to really throw himself into it and think, right, let's do this. Yes, you know. there's and no. Uh, sorry, gone. No, gone. There's no. Uh, there's no huffs. There's no rolling of eyes. There's no. Come on, I want to go home. There's none of that. None of yeah. it at all. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I didn't meet it, but if you go on the forum, <laughs> I love going on the forum afterwards to see everyone's experiences. One of the people that a lot of people are, are moaning about. There's two actually. Two of the guests, which is Stephen Segal and um, Miranda Richardson, who, uh, who you know was Queenie in uh, yeah. in Blackadder. Apparently, those are the two that keep standing out to me. The people were just like, well, you know, mm. I may as may as well have been stood next to a cardboard cutout. You know, apparently, it's Segal's photos. He's just sat in a chair with his arms crossed. He looks it's miserable as sin and uh, Miranda Richardson's one's not that better but so yeah so it does make a difference because even though you meet them for like a split second you do you grasp you know whether Ooh. they want to be there I think mm -hmm. oh yeah I think yeah. it's true to say that like you said you know from your tenant shoot that he just was into it giving something back mm -hmm. you know I'm trying to I've, I think I've been lucky I've never been in a shoot where they've been off that I can think of but I I know Plenty of people who have, like, as I say, if you go on the forums, there have been, you know, plenty of sort of prima donnas over the years at Showmaster. You know, Pamela Addison, for example, insists on having this great big bright light, which completely ruins everyone's photos because they're so overlit. You know, she she insists on it every year. So, you know, it's just great when people like Tennant just turn up and, like I said, you 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 just feel you've experienced, even though you've met him for two seconds, you feel like it was an experience. I mean, yeah. You know, Cumberbatch last year, um, he was really nice and everything. But, I mean, I, I it was so quick. I, I honestly still don't really feel like I met him or anything. I literally – I don't even remember going in front of him, you know, with it. It was it was just so quick, yeah. you know. And I, it was lovely and everything. I remember, you know, he was sort of smiley and everything. But, but yeah. So, anyways, it's cool. I mean, Tennant is your doctor as well. So, it's yes. brilliant that you yeah. got got your pick of him. Yeah. Who, who else did you meet that this weekend so you met ingrid didn't you ingrid oliver met ingrid yeah um queued up and got an autograph and a little selfie nice. with her yeah which is cool um before we move on though i must mention it's really funny because i queued up with matt from the who addicts youtube channel and um one of our good friends jay kent mm. and those guys were in front of me and uh, <laughs> jay kent he's a bit of a character if you listen to this show for a while then you would have heard his audio reviews that he sent us a, a, a while back and uh when he got 
up to David. He apparently he had uh, I, all I heard was this real funny noise and mm. saw David Tennant sort of ah oh, put his arm around him and afterwards he said that he planned this really cool few words to say to him like it's an honor to meet you David and you know you're my yeah. childhood hero um, but it came out as <laughs> just turned to jelly <laughs> he, he completely um, you know when you just get starstruck and yeah. stage fright and you just lose it yeah he just lost mm. his he lost it it turned out this big you know he churned out this garbled mess of noise and David said it just put his arm around him and went oh you know, and had their little photo, and it was so funny because yeah, you know, I can see I could see that happening as well. <laughs> Jake, and he's so funny, but yeah, so that was that had me in stitches. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. So, um, apart from Tenant, what was the highlight for the weekend for you? So apart from that, um, so in my Star Wars mind, obviously it was Ray Park, but mm-hmm. other than that, um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Noel Clark. Oh, dude, yes, yeah. another one I didn't get to meet, but yeah. Such a great, he's so cool. He's such a cool guy, he is. And it's a kind of a similar experience um, going into his photo shoot because he, he just took that extra second just to shake hands and say hello. And yeah. and uh, I had this Star Wars t-shirt on on a Saturday. He came in, I, I walked up to him and um, we had sort of a handshake and a little sort of bro hug as you do. With, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I love your t-shirt, man. Where you know, it's so cool. And I said, yours is awesome as well. And he had a... A turtles, teenage, wasn't it? Yeah. Teenage turtles, yeah. So we sort of held, uh, he sort of held his cardi and we pointed at the t-shirts and, mm. you know, and he was like, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Just really polite and such a cool guy. So that was really good. The, the photos that I had there turned out really nice as well. Because, you know, sometimes you think, oh God, am I blinking? Am I? Yeah. Is it not turn out all right? But, you know, I had a really good uh, few photos there. So cool. It's always that worry, isn't it? When you're waiting for it to come out of the front, you're like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be good? Yeah, that was cool. I, I couldn't meet Noel. I had to make a choice because there had so many Doctor Who guests clash this weekend. So he was on at the same time as Ingrid Oliver. Now, the, re- the, the reason I went with Ingrid is because I was lucky enough to meet Noel at um, a comic signing uh, last year, year oh, before. That's right. yep. So I've got a picture of him on my phone and it's, you know, it's not the same. I would love to have got that professional shoot because the one you got is, is awesome. But I kind of sort of had to weigh up in my mind. Well, I've never met Ingrid, so it makes sense to me to meet somebody I haven't met. You know, I've got a picture of Noel, so that's why I went with Ingrid. Uh, but yeah, it's a very cool picture you got with Noel. And Ingrid was lovely, actually. I got a great picture of her. I wore my scarf just for that one oh, shot. Cool. Yeah. Took it straight off. And she did comment on it. She was cool. Um, highlights to me, actually, would uh, one of the highlights is, is David Bradley. Um, I got a photo shoot with him last year, but um, I got a really nice autograph from him this year. And um, it's funny because, you know, like you were saying about Jay Kent sort of thinking about all this stuff he wants to say in his mind. Well, David Bradley does like to chat to to people, which is nice. So the queue moved really slow. So I had plenty of time to think about what I wanted to say to him. Um, And I thought, yes, I know what I've always wanted to say to him is just how much I love him in an adventure in space and time and stuff. So, So I finally got to tell him that. And um, I sort of could feel myself getting all emotional telling him. I was just like, David, I, you know, I've, I've been watching Doctor Who since I was a kid, like ever since I can remember. And one of my favourite things ever is an adventure in space and time. So it's just, just you're so good in it. It's such a wonderful drama, you know, really beautifully produced. And he was just like grinning at me. And he goes, because I love his accent. Where's he from? He's like, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that. That's not his accent, but he's like, I'll take that young man. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Because I, I said, I absolutely love it. So he's just such a nice man. And Aww. I got a nice auto from him. And yeah, uh, a little moment. Sort of, I had a little moment yeah. with him. So that sticks in my mind. Um, great to meet Eccleston. Um, I think... 
I think we can say he enjoyed the event. It certainly looked like he was enjoying it because there's been mm. this big thing because it's his first convention. It's like, oh, you know, if, if a fan annoys him, he'll never do one again. <laughs> and oh, if he doesn't enjoy it or if it's overwhelming, he's never going to do one again. I mean, I can only go from what we saw. <laughs> so yeah. to me, it looked like he was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. He certainly was very friendly in the photo shoots. Um, there's this great thing doing the rounds on Twitter and Facebook of this video of when him and Matt walk across the hall. I think they're going sort of in opposite directions yes. back to their yeah. booths after the photo shoot, maybe. And they sort of, he's like, Hey Matt. And Matt's like, yo dude. And they sort of, there's this sort of, I don't know, 30 second interaction between mm-hmm. the two of them and where they're sort of shaking hands. It almost looks like they're having a fight because they sort of <laughs> grip each other's hands. Don't they like this? They're yeah. actually like, yeah, how you doing, man? But someone's taking a picture of that exact moment. It looks like nine and 10 are like locked in, in a sort of um, arm wrestle sort of thing, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a great moment that's been captured by so many people because they're surrounded by people as well. It's mm-hmm. literally in the middle of the event, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this happened. I think they were just going from one place to the other. So that's nice. It was really cool to see those two doctors meeting like that. And yeah, it looked to me like he was enjoying it. So that's, you know, hopefully that's true. And hopefully that's uh, positive for future events from Equiston. Hopefully, yeah. Yes, yes. So that was good. And obviously meeting Matt, I finally t- ticked the box. Mm. I got my Matt Smith photo at last. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, though, I have noticed just a very minor point about the Matt Smith one. Because you, you didn't get Matt, did you? I didn't, no. I've noticed his picture, and this is the same with everybody, because the guy in front of me in the queue was like, oh, I got Matt in the morning, but I'm going back to get it again, because look, it's all blurry. And I was, I looked at his photo, and I was like, yeah, do you know what? I said, if I just took a glance at that, I wouldn't think anything of it. If I, if I actually look at it, I said, yeah, you can see it's overlit. It's, you are out of focus. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm going to tell him. I want it redone. And I was like, okay. So anyway, when <laughs> I came out, it made me ultra paranoid. So I immediately looked at my photo, and it's not blurred, but... I was looking at Ben Letts as well from Host Productions. This was the same, a little bit. The Matt Smith photo booth just didn't seem, I don't know if it was her camera was lower resolution. I don't know if it's the lighting, but it is nowhere near as crisp as like any of the other photos I've got. Oh, man. And everyone's the same. And I'm thinking that's that's weird. It's as if she's on a, like a lower resolution. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> by no means bad. I mean, it just no means bad. It's just when you put it next to my... Chris picture mm-hmm. he is like you can see every wrinkle <laughs> do you know what I mean you can see every sort of mm-hmm. you know uh, mark on the man's face but on Matt's it's, it's a little bit you know maybe he's insisted on that Pamela Anderson light maybe he's like yeah give me the Pam light you know <laughs> I don't know but yeah it's not as Chris but I'm, I'm happy with it I'm so happy to have got a picture with him and yeah so overall it was a good event I must admit when I come home we went down the pub after as we always do my favorite bit of the whole day we all go down the pub look at our pictures i i've got i i've got to admit my i could hear my little heart breaking every time someone got a picture of tenant out because it everybody i swear everybody i was with got a picture with him so i was oh, a little man. like no it was just it was just one of those things but yeah it's like oh look at this all everyone wanted to talk about it. right it's like he is the doctor everybody wants to meet it seems like it's as if like all the others have gone out the window. It's just like, oh my God, who met Tennant? It's just like every, it's all everyone could talk about. But it is awesome. I mean, just, yeah, the fact that everyone got got to meet all those doctors at that, that weekend. It's, yeah. As I said, Showmasters, you know, we whatever you think of or whatever, they, they definitely pulled it out of the bag for us Who fans this year. They definitely did. And I wonder yeah. if next year is going to pale in comparison because... I, I wonder. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going to get all of those just by the law of averages and people's schedules, 
I can't imagine they're going to get all of those doctors back again in one weekend. I just can't I see do, it. I can't see it, mate. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, so for me now, I was I was going for my shoot. So actually, the only doctors I need photos with are now that are alive <laughs> are uh, Tennant and Jody. So that's and that's thanks to Showmasters. I mean, I don't think I ever thought I'd sort of meet them all in one weekend. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's so I it's I managed to tick a lot of boxes this weekend. So yeah, for me, I'm sort of thinking that's good because it it kind of takes the pressure off me if they do announce a load of doctors again. I'm thinking oh, I haven't got to worry about that because I've got them now. Mm-hmm. I've like they're in the bag. <laughs> Just got to get Ten and, and Jody if she ever does them. So yeah, yeah. it's a shame they didn't get. Because they they normally get the the usual suspects there. I know Colin, uh, not Colin, uh, Silver had cancelled. Yeah, but you normally get um, Nicola Bryant. Um, there weren't many classic Who guests. We said wasn't. this, didn't we? No, yeah. they normally get Nicola Bryant, Mark Strickson, uh, Bonnie Langford was there actually. Bonnie, <laughs> yeah. John Leeson's normally there. John Leeson, yep. Um, yeah. Who else is there? Louise Jameson often does them. Sophie does a couple. Sarah Sutton. Sarah uh, Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they, because um, that, that would have been like an epic. That would have gone down as oh, like. Oh, my words. Know. My, yeah, credit card would have yeah. broke. I it, mean, they had a lot last year, didn't they? We said this last year. They had loads of like classic Who guests uh-huh. and they were all quite cheap. This year, they've had gone for the big sort of new series guests. So that's quite nice in a way because we've had sort of quite a contrast, haven't we? From last year mm-hmm. to this year, mm. Mm. Um, it was funny though. There was um, when we were queuing up for, or when we were going off to queue up for Ingrid Oliver's autograph. I think it was then. Um, in the main sort of autograph section upstairs, it was really funny because you had um, in, like a row against the back wall, and there was some American dude who was in some American series doing an American thing. It was an American dude, and then next to him you had David Bradley, then you had David Duchovny. <laughs> then you had um, some other guy um, who was like a big Hollywood star. And then you had Bonnie Langford. <laughs> oh. And then next to Bonnie, you had another big star. So for some reason, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but for some reason they had bundled her in with like these big sort of movie stars and, yeah. you know, these big docs. And she must have felt like, crikey, I've got a cracking seat here. Yeah. So hopefully she capitalized on that a little bit and grabbed a few extra autographs. But it was funny. Actually, it does remind me of what Ingrid Oliver, Oliver was saying in her talk because we there was only one free talk we could get to this year, wasn't it? Which was hers, yeah. right at the end of the day on the Saturday. Because last year we went to a great one with McCoy, didn't we? He did a free talk, but mm-hmm. yeah, there weren't many free talks this year. But um, Ingrid's at the end of the day was really cool, and the bit that stood out to me was when she talked about the green room at the back. She's like, "Yeah, we all go to lunch together in a big green room." And she said, I'm just stood there looking around and there's like, you know, Stephen Seagal and David Duchovny eating an egg sandwich. And there's like, you know, Matt Smith and, and I was just, no, not Matt Smith because he wasn't there. But you know what I mean? It's like all these people are there. They're all in one room. And I was thinking, God, that Sunday must have been immense with all those doctors in that mm-hmm. green room. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall hearing what they're talking about, you know. Sort of um, yeah. Smith going over to Eccleston. Oi, why weren't you in the fifty of you miserable old so and so? You know, I could just, I just, oh, can you imagine all the stuff oh. that was going on in that green room? It would have been immense, wouldn't it? I'm surprised that you said earlier that all the photos clashed and stuff because they had. All uh, of that the was weird. Yeah, because that really did make that was stressful. Everyone was really doing <laughs> the night, and those poor guys, the the people who have to sort of get you in the queues. I mean. They've, it doesn't seem like they're given any training t- to deal with this sort of stuff at all. I do feel they're volunteers, aren't they? So yeah. they're like they're like basically there to call the batches. But 
that they were just swamped. People were just like, I've got, you know, I've got a clash. I've got, the, I've got to get to Chris, Chris and Matt at the same time. What do I do? And mm-hmm. they were just like, they didn't know what to do really. Yeah. And so I think they basically were just like, just everyone just, it was a free for all. And it's just get in the queue. Everyone get through as quick as you can and hope for the best. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a shame, really. It doesn't. If they're going to get these big stars, I think showmasters do need to get their organisation together better. That's one thing I would say yeah. about it. They they really do, especially with the autographs as well this year, mate. If it, most of my experience this weekend has been positive, but if I was to list things, they the negatives. It'd be like trying to get autographs this year for any of the doctors, whatever. Impossible mm-hmm. unless you buy a sort of two hundred and fifty diamond pass. That's the only way you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Like there was just no chance of getting any autographs. I mean, even people like Noel Clark, you know, he's a big star, but you know, you'd think, well, he's there. I should be able to get him. No chance. You know, his queue didn't move past. What was the number on the thing? Like 200 or something. It was just like, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, there's, yeah, that's one thing I would say is, you know, we've been going to Showmasters events for a couple of years now together. And when <laughs> I remember, you know, the first one with McGann, remember we literally were in the queue, what, 20 minutes. We were there, McGann done. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, this year, it's like, no, sorry, you'll have to come back an hour. You'll have to come back at four o'clock. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just becoming so hard to, to get any autographs. Like photo shoots, you book them, you'll, you know, it's not guaranteed, mm-hmm. but you've got a very good chance you're going to get that photo, you know, unless something goes horrendously wrong with clashes and stuff, you know, you've paid for it, you should get it. But yeah, autos, it's, it's becoming near impossible, I think, to get anyone. I mean, on the Saturday, I only got one. That was Ingrid Oliver. <laughs> it's the only autograph I got all day, you know. So that's one of the things I think it's just, you know frustrating. That's one of the things that got to me on Saturday. But yeah, but overall, it was pretty positive, mate. I, I, as I said, Sunday, really enjoyed it. Come away with my pictures with my doctors and stuff and was quite happy on the Sunday. No, it was, yeah. it was good I overall. I will do it again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. we'll do it again, yeah. But uh... Any highs and lows for you? Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, to finish high, off? Yeah, I mean, a high for me would be... Um, showmasters manning, managing to drag in these big stars this year. Mm. Um, so that was really cool. And it does give you an opportunity to to stand in the company of greatness, if even if it's for a few seconds. But, um, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, a low for me would be the the venue and the organisation a little bit. Mm. And I'm, I'm not going to dig at the, the volunteers and those guys because they have been getting a bit of slack, you know, on... On Twitter and on the forums, the last some of them were a bit rude, but I guess like yeah. they're dealing with rude people, so it's a bit. But here's the thing. Street. Here's yeah. the thing. You you hit the nail on the head earlier that these guys don't have any training for this. They don't. Doesn't seem like it. They're not employed by showmasters. They don't have like you know, go through all like you know weeks before the event. They don't all go somewhere and they say right, we're going to implement this queuing system and and mm. all this stuff. They just turn up on the day, get put a t-shirt on, and go and organise people. Yeah, go and stand there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to dig them out, you know, too much because they're not trained for it. You know, then we're making it sound like the, you know the MI5 agents or something, but mm. you know they're not trained for, you know, the great British public. Mm. You know, and, being, and it is a very stressful environment mm. as well, isn't it? That they have to deal with. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I do feel like as the the event is growing in, it seems to grow in size every year now, mm. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think I mentioned this last week, but I remember like going back what, five years ago, six years ago. I used to just turn up on the day. Yeah, and me. There yeah, was no I queue. Up on the day before. Yeah. yeah, I used to turn up on the day, walk into the door, and pay five pounds to walk in. 
Mm. And then you could queue up with whoever you wanted. There was no this big virtual queuing system. There was yeah, there's none, of, none of this come back in half an hour or no. an hour at four. And also, they need to sort out the aircon because it, I know it's been incredibly hot in the UK, so I understand it was going to be hot. We knew it was going to be hot because mm. it is anyway. But it's not just for the benefit of the, for the attendees, you know. It's also for the benefit of the guests because Ingrid Oliver was saying how uncomfortable she was. Mm-hmm. She? she was like, it's really hot in here. And Matt Smith, when I saw him going off to lunch while I was in the queue for Bradley, he just looked like, he, oh, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, you, you, you want to encourage them to come. You don't want to put these people off. Like, <laughs> why would they want to sit in a sweat box? You know, yeah, so they, yeah. they need to. And this is why we keep saying, I think they ought to look at a different venue because, yeah. you know, Olympia is cool. It's a great not, you know, it's a good venue in terms of how the you know the size of it and stuff. But I think they have outgrown it. If they're going to keep getting these big guests, they need to think about somewhere else. And and also, it's an older building. Like we we often mention the XL, don't we? It's a good alternative. You know, they're, they're, I just think the facilities are a bit better at XL. You've got that nice chill out area. Like if you want to chill out at you know Olympia, you've just got to kind of sit against the wall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. There's no seating area or chill out area at all there, is there? So yeah, I, I do think maybe they ought to look at alternative venues yeah i hope so because mm. a few years ago it was fine but because of the size of that, like i said they seem to grow in terms of the the high profile guests that they're getting now mm. um plus you just the amount of attendees that are there um and the aircon doesn't really work very well like you said and mm. there's literally nowhere to go if you want to chill out for a minute you either just sit on the floor in the middle of the walkways yeah. Or against the wall at the walkways, or you leave the venue and go and find somewhere. And um so and that's great if you're at a smaller convention, fine. But mm. for, for this sort of thing, they do need I I I feel like they need a, a bigger venue. I don't know where. You know, we'd mention the XL, that'd be perfect because the actual you know, the aircon works in there. <laughs> yeah, for a start. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I went to uh in twenty sixteen. Twenty yeah, in twenty sixteen when I went to Star Wars celebration. At the XL, that was a massive event, huge, like full scale Tie Fighter models in there, full scale mm. ATATs, and massive stages and huge, you know, and it felt like it was just a breeze to get around mm. it. You know, it was so much better. So if they can get in there, then that would be excellent. But one thing I will say is that even if they don't, if they stay at the same venue, they really need decent queuing system or a, a different approach to it because i'll tell you what mate when we were queuing up for tenant mm. just a, about 20 feet away there was tenant was doing his photo shoot in front of the tardis it was the tardis shoot yeah and you can see the bombs going off and over there they had a problem in exactly the same problem that we had queuing up for tenant in, in that they do this weird batch zero thing Oh, so no. There yeah, were, that caused mayhem, didn't it? Yeah. So when you book your ticket online for a photo shoot, you can choose which batch you want to go into. Mm. So you can try and alleviate clashes. But they just bundle everybody in to the batch zero. So over at the TARDIS shoot, there was no queuing system. So when I bumped into one of our friends, Reese, he, I said, you know, you getting on all right? He said, no, there's no queuing system. It's just a bundle. Mm. So you just sort of, or every, there's a crowd, you know, like hundreds of people. And they just slowly push forward. And it, the same thing happened with Tenant. You know, they tried to organize it, but because they were keeping the little area on the floor with the tape, so people could sort of, you know, snake into a queue. Yeah. That then caused congestion on the walkway. And I'll tell you what, if there was a fire 
or something kicked off there, you're out of luck. Mm. There was, there's absolutely no way that there's you're no getting to, go. to an exit. There's nowhere to go. Because yeah. it's, it's, hor- it's horrific to think, you know, something was bad to happen. Mm. There'd be cru- people would be crushed and it just so piled in and congested. So purely from a safety point, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, be Mr. Old Health and Safety with my <laughs> yeah. hard helmet on, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, if there was a problem, it, yeah. we, we'd, I would have been, you know, because with Matt and, and uh, Jay Kent, when we were queuing up for, for Tenant, we were sort of near the front, you mm. know, at the entrance to it. But then there was just a sea of people. So if and something does- kicked off, you were, you were screwed. Yeah, and it does feel like a sea of people because you know someone like me, I get very you know if you if you get a huge crowds like that, it's really quite intimidating. Mm-hmm. I think if you suffer from anxiety or whatever, I think it's it just is a no no. Like, oh, like yeah, when you get yeah. big guests like that. Um, just before we 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 wrap up, mate, just quickly tell me, so which which autos and photo shoots did you get at the weekend? Because did you get a few autos? Uh, no, so I, I I kept it fairly chilled. Mm. So on the Saturday, I did Ray Park, Noel Clark for photos. Yeah. And then autograph-wise, I got Ingrid Oliver, and that's it. So that was my Saturday done. Oh, right. And then on the Sunday, um, I got an autograph and a photo shoot with Peter Davison and the photo shoot in the afternoon with Tennant. And that was yeah. me. That was me, mate. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you got Davison because that's the first time you've met him, isn't oh, it? Oh, he was awesome as well. Yeah, really, really I like nice. Davison. Yeah. And what do you get, mate? Uh, so yeah, just quickly. So yeah, so I got um, doctors wise, I got Davison, Eccleston, Smith, and Capaldi. Um, autograph wise, I got Simon Bradley. I got a nice, really nice print signed by Paul McGann. Um, I had to queue up ages to meet him, uh, and I got Ingrid Oliver. I think those were the only three autographs I got. Um, oh, and I did meet Arthur Darville. Actually, I got a photo shoot with him, and uh, and not who related. Oh, actually, no, he was in Doctor Who. Yeah, I got yeah. Uh, Richard Wilson. I don't believe it. I don't <laughs> believe it. And uh, yeah, I got a really cool, um, <laughs> got a really cool auto from him. And you took a great picture. I was so chuffed with the picture you took of the two of us because um, I met him at Collectomania ugh, a few months back. Mm-hmm. Was it this year? I've lost track of the time. Yeah, and uh, I got on a professional photo shoot with him, and they just unfortunately caught him just as he stopped smiling, as seems to happen oh, with me a lot. No. It's all the other shoots he's like really smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always a bit disappointed with that. But you took a picture of us, and he's beaming, isn't he? Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. beaming, smiling. So I was well chuffed with that. So yeah, so overall did pretty well actually. Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably gonna. <laughs> I think I'm still paying for last year's London Film and Comic Con. Actually, I'm sure <laughs> I'm still paying that off my card. But yeah, this is a uh, this year's um burnt the burnt the uh hasn't burned the bacon but it's burned the credit card yes that's for sure yeah in fact i'm actually genuinely scared to look i nearly (laughs) signed in yesterday to see what it was and i was like i can't i can't look (laughs) i cannot look yeah it was mental very pricey but we'll see how next year goes see what they can can turn up it's given me hope and i'm thinking like you just said they've got to go some to match this year haven't they they've really mm-hmm. got they've 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 i think they've excelled themselves this year actually they must yes. be pleased for themselves yeah. and i i know we moaned about the prices and stuff and i think you said it you, i guess if you want these new serious people you're gonna have to look around the sort of prices we're paying it's just it's just not going to happen otherwise mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we're not going to get them um so yeah although the prices are high i hope it means we get more of this because um yeah, it's really good to see new series doctors at a UK con mm-hmm. finally, and to get them all like that was was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it it's been a it's yeah. been a little while coming. I think that's why we just assumed they'd get one or two. The fact they got them all is quite 
as you can probably see, I just can't quite believe it, actually. Yeah, it's extraordinary, really. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that was our experience at Comic-Con. Mm. We have got a few bits of news and merch to go through, so let's land it. First up, let's fast forward to our new upcoming Doctor. Yeah. Wow. 13. We've, uh, the BBC have finally released <laughs> a, a new promo pic mm. uh, of Jodie, um, titled On Top of the World, and it's essentially her standing on the edge of a cliff, by the look of it, looking out onto... Now, I can't quite place this. I'm no. going to assume, rightly or wrongly that she's in Wales somewhere um, because it's very hilly and mountainous. So I'm assuming she's up in the Breckens or somewhere around there, but she's standing mm. on the edge of a cliff. Uh, she's looking up, but she's turning around and looking at the camera and uh, she's got the new Sonic in hand, etc. Yes. Um, but it's nice to see Jodie in a different setting other than with special sort of visual effects being... Exactly. You know, yeah, around. laid over. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure what this is going to be used on. It would have been really nice to have this, really, for one of the upcoming upcoming calendars, maybe, or something like that, that they could throw mm. in, or the the horrific design they use for the upcoming annual. <laughs> it would have been nice to have this then. But, uh, yeah, always good to see new official promos, mate. It is. And do you know what's standing out in this picture for me is, is her, the boots. The boots yeah. <laughs> I'm loving her boots. <laughs> She's, like, rocking these. What are they? They're, like... Uh, they're kind of like um, they're just the, well, well they look like men's uh, uh, what do you call them they're not Doc Martin type boots are they But no they're like a cross between sort of Timberland boots and sort of smarter boots if you like they haven't got the really big thick rubber soles or anything but yeah, they're just sort of normal brown sort of ankle boots really but they look like yeah. men's boots to me they do but I'm, I'm loving it and, and funny enough ever since we saw because there was a lot of 13 Doctor cosplays at, at LFCC, weren't they? And actually, do you know, I'm I'm really starting to love the costume. <laughs> a bit like the Sonic. Even the Sonic's growing on me, and I hated it when I first saw it. But um, actually, that's the thing. We got to we got to compare the UK and the American oh, toy, yeah. didn't we? Yes. With the Sonic uh, at LFCC, because two of our friends have, have got the U, the US one, and then our, one of our friends has got the UK one. I don't know if you actually did. You get to see the UK one. Yes. Um, I've got to say, now I've seen the two together, I'm sorry to say, the US one is much better. It's much smaller for a start. Yep. It's more like the actual, yeah, I mean, the UK one's just like a big old plastic toy. It's a shame. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, this new promo image, I'm liking it. I'm loving the coat. Um, oh, I'm just loving our new Doctor and she's not on screen yet. I, oh, please be good. I just, I'm loving her already. So I hope, I hope she's good. I'm trying not to get too... I don't want to be disappointed, but yeah. So yeah, it doesn't give us much to go on. It's just her standing on a rock, but it's it's nice, like you said, to see our yeah. our new Doctor there in a new promo shot. That was in the new issue of Doctor Two magazine, actually. When you it was the first page you opened up, and that was in inside. It was that picture. Oh, nice. Uh, which yeah. was cool. Um, and just to quickly say, actually, the Doctor Who mag have been doing this um, text-free covers from the new issue for subscribers. Oh, you got and, yours. Uh, I got mine and uh, actually arrived in good condition, unbelievably. <laughs> they normally arrive battered. Uh, it's really nice because I wasn't sure if I wanted it or not, but 
um, the new cover with Jody on the front of this this month's issue is lovely. And actually, as a text-free cover, it's it's really good. So I'm liking that. Yeah. So loving our 13th Doctor and our promo picks. Um, on to some sad news. Um, Alan Bennion, is that who you would say? Bennion. Uh, Bennion, yep. Bennion has uh, sadly passed away at the age of 88. And uh, Alan appeared in 13 episodes of Doctor Who, playing lots of different Ice Lords uh, and three serials featuring the Ice Warriors as well. So uh, sad to see he's gone. So he was in the Seeds of Death, uh, the Curse of Peladon. Mm-hmm. Uh, to mention the monster of Peladon as well, obviously. Uh, and as well as uh, Doctor Who, he was in lots of other TV shows as well, like Sexton Blake and um, and uh, Juliet Bravo. Do you remember Juliet, Juliet Bravo? Bravo. Oh, yep. gosh, what happened to Juliet Bravo? Yeah. And uh, Zed Cars. <laughs> Everyone's been in Zed Cars, haven't they? Everyone from Classic Yeah, King. yeah. yeah. And, thing, and things like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah sad news. Uh, Alan Bellion, our, uh, our, one of our Ice Lords, has gone to the... Ice planet. Sadly no. passed. Yeah. yeah, sadly passed, yeah. Um, yes, uh, so that's all we've got for news. Now, we need to get our metal friend in to see what the bleed now he's got. <laughs> Has he got anything good? Let's have a look. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very... Pretty. Well, well, well. You can but hope. (laughs) Now, I'm not liking the fact that when our metal friend, Grumpy Dalek Tat, dropped this on the floor earlier, (laughs) yeah, he gave a little chuckle as he wheeled himself off. He did. A little electronic chuckle. Because he knows. (laughs) (laughs) He knows yeah. the situation with this particular spin-off. <laughs> yeah. Class. Oh, every time we... I, I just... Oh, sorry. I just wish it would go away. <laughs> <laughs> Even just saying the name, it's like, God, we're still... It's still there, lingering around like a <laughs> one of those flies around my drink. It's just still there. Well, we, we perhaps shouldn't judge prematurely. Go away! <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing Tegan <laughs> from the Mara. I've jumped ahead. Yeah. Um, we potentially shouldn't judge too prematurely because we have got the big Finnish adventures of class I look forward to. True, true. So that could be cool. Right. Maybe Ace could literally save the day with that yes. one. Um, but um, not going too far ahead, we have got some class-related merch coming very soon mm-hmm. uh, in the form of its soundtracks. <sighs> I know, mate. I know. Uh, so, if you like the music from Class, uh, then you'll be able to order it in two versions, no less. Cool. So you can pick up the standard um, CD, and um, you'll be able to. Oh no, sorry. the The CD is the bonus disc to something else. My apologies. It's confusing. I must admit, yeah. I had to read this twice. I think it's a, it's a CD release with bonus disc. Yes. Well, no, it's right. the um, you don't you can't buy the the CD on its own. I don't think at the moment. Um, let's oh, get really? to the, okay. the main I'm confused. point. Yeah. yeah. So the main point is they're releasing the class soundtrack on limited edition vinyl, mm. which looks kind of nice. It's got uh, two. It's like a two LP set. One's bright orange. One is bright blue, and you get the. Um, the bonus CD with that. So you'll be able to to have both formats, I suppose. 
Mm. Um, so I can't remember any of the music from Class. I don't know about you. No, I can't. I can't uh, remember any of it at all, apart from the awful theme tune. Um, <laughs> I can't remember any of the music. One thing I would say, though, is it's Blair Mowit uh, who did the music for it. And he did the music for those little promo bits for series 10 of Doctor Who, you know, with them walking through the library. And the music for that was great. Um, And I seem to remember the music was, I don't remember the music in it, but I think it was all right. Because I quite like Blair Mowit's music. I just can't remember his class Mm. music. Um, So Mm. I don't know. There's a a chance the music might be good. And I am going to say this. That cover to the vinyl is gorgeous. Mm, really cool. I don't know who's done that. That is a, a really nice cover. Yeah. Um, and also, it's one of the vinyls. Is it blue or purple? Because I'm colorblind. Blue. Blue. Yeah. blue and orange. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the yeah, the vinyls are colored. <laughs> now, despite my lack of, you know, despite the fact I don't like class, this looks good. Gorgeous! It's a beautiful piece of merchandise. Mm-hmm. Just a shame it's for such an awful show. But but the music might be good. It because I like Blair Mowit. So yeah, do you know what? See, it might it's, be? it's weird. I kind of I kind of want it. I, well, I do want it, <laughs> but I don't want to have anything related to class in my collection because I I didn't like it. But I kind of um I kind of want this. It just looks like a really nice piece of merchandise. Mm. No, it's I, I agree. It's a beautiful, especially the cover. Um, we haven't it's got any lovely. pictures of what it looks like on the inside, but I'm assuming no. the you know as the uh, as you open it up, it's got some more nice artwork in there, perhaps. But the cover's beautiful, mm. and um, it could well it could be very good. But the problem is, I don't remember if it's any, any good or not. So no, I don't either. No, I don't know. But if you head over to DoctorWhoMusic.com forward slash class, you'll be able to check it out and. And you can't pre-order it just yet. You can sign up, you can put your email address in and stuff so that when it does come up to be, when it does become available, you can order it then. But, uh, yes. Isn't it weird this is coming out so long after class was on the TV? And also, Mm. it kind of, we still haven't got a soundtrack for series 10, but we're getting this. (laughs) It just, it all seems really odd. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I am liking it. I really hope Big Finish do a good job with class because then I won't feel so weird about buying it because I, I kind of love that vinyl cover. Mm. I, can't, I, mm. I want it, actually. And, I, and, yeah, maybe the music's good, so I might, I might get this, actually. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see what the price is first. Yeah. There's no release date as yet. No. Just, no. Uh, there are some rumours. Some people say this month in August at some point, but you never know. You're not, I can tell you're not into it at all. You're not getting it, are you? No, <laughs> no, no chance that's going on your shelf. No, no. Okay. Unless um, nobody buys it and it's on sale for a fiver at some point, I might pick it up then. But... <laughs> uh, I don't think so. No. So that's news and merch. Let's crack on with our review this week, buddy. Oh, yes. Classic Who hit me. Stay away. It's uh, <laughs> Tegan is in full force this, this time in the Fifth Doctor story. Snake dance. A toast. To the Federation, the person of this charming lady. Where is the great mind's eye? The what? The great crystal from the snake in the chamber. I beg your pardon, my lady. Oh, really? I love surprises. You know where it is? I certainly do. Where? Wherever it is, I can assure you it's perfectly safe. The great crystal is a source of the Mara's power. It needs that power to make itself reoccur. That's why it has returned. I think we've had enough. Take him away. Through the great crystal, the Mara will reoccur as a physical fact here on Medusa. 
Only one thing remains to be decided. Yes. Me? Who? Uh, I could assist um, in whatever capacity, uh, using my discretion. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh! I could simply forget uh, whichever and whatever you prefer. He has served his purpose. You are no longer necessary. Look at me. No, no, please. What are you doing? Look at me. No! Look at me. I'm not going to harm you. Look at me. <laughs> That's right. Look at me. At me. <laughs> 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 Lots of evil laughter in this one. <laughs> Keep it going, please, Mark. <laughs> it lots of um lots of classic evil cackling going on. Yeah, evil cackling. cackling. Keep it going. <laughs> Snake dance. And in hindsight, we probably should have done kinder first. Kinder. Kindles. Because <laughs> the Kindle. We, should have done Kindle first. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Kindle would have been a good one, but it, they're not too... The... I want to say, when, when we put on the list, I thought, oh, we must do Kinder first. And then I thought, actually, it's from a totally different series. So exactly. it, should, yeah. it, should stand alone, it should stand on its own. So let's see how that works. <laughs> so, yeah. You know how we do. Yeah, but I was thinking, you know, it, it, it's, it's you know, in terms of the viewers, it's a different, totally, it's the next series. So, yeah, it's not. In other words, if Kindred had been right before it, then maybe we should have done Kindred mm. first. But it's a different series, so actually, I think, you mm. know, let's see if it stands on its own two feet. We're good. We're good. We got this. Yeah. So, Snake Dance was first broadcast back in January 1983. Good lord! I was only a nipper. <laughs> yes. Three years old, crawling around. I wasn't born. No, you weren't. Not yet. <laughs> yes, I, I, I was. Know, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, yes, it was broadcast back in uh, the early 80s. It was written by Christopher Bailey, directed by Fiona Cumming, and um, obviously stars Mr. Davidson as the Doctor with um, Sarah Sutton and Jeanette Fielding. And the story is thus... Um, Good luck uh, with this. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> T, uh, Tegan... Tegan is still possessed by the Mara and uh, she tries to get the big crystal in the hole and she fails. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, and Martin Clunes is in it. Yeah. Looking fabulous. So Nissa, Nissa, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tegan, Tegan wakes up from a flying dream. Going crazy. Tegan wakes up, she's had a nightmare. The doctor's like, whoa, this is not good. Show me what you had in your dream. No, I'm scared. He's like, you will show me. Hypnosis. Right, now I'm going to show you. Takes it to a big cave, looked like a snake. Uh, and then from that point on, uh, it's just a, a, a... I can't even. No, it's, 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 it's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, so essentially the... Yeah, so Tegan is still possessed by the Mara, partly, but it grows mm. in strength 
um, eventually sort of properly possesses her. She gets We get the whole classic horror film, somebody else's voice coming out of her and all that stuff. Mm. She sort of co-possesses, um, or the Mara co-possesses um, Lon, who is the son of the, well, the son slash daughter of the previous, um, what are they called? What was he I called? Did, I just saw him as sort of a royal, sort of like a royal family on the planet. I don't know if that's what they were meant to be. Yeah, so he was the, he was the son of the Federator. And the Federator was the person who was in charge of the Three Planet Federation. So him and his mum are just doing their thing. He gets sort of co-possessed by the Mara along with Tegan. And between the two of them, they convince the... Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Oh, what? The uh, the, the little... Um, Ambril. Ambril. Ambril, Who's yeah. like the, uh, the sort of uh, historian... Collector architect, of uh, Sorry, archaeologist kind of guy who collects all, all the stuff from the Samaran period where the Mara was very much a thing before the Federation yeah. banished it along with the snake dancers with crystals. I can't even go on any further. Mate. I, I know it's, 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 it's mad. I was thinking that while I was watching this, good luck with the synopsis <sighs> tomorrow, Gary. That's why I let you do them. Yeah. So Lon dupes Ambril into bringing the real crystal to the festival so that he can take it and put it into the slot in the hole in the cave. And then the Mara can come back. But then the doctor sort of all of a sudden learns how to commune with, um, what's his name, uh, Dojin, the sort of yeah. banished snake dancer who was once the uh, guy who was there before Ambril. And then he manages to sort of make a solid calm state in his mind that the Mara can't penetrate and then it collapses and oozes out and dies and, ah, oh, crikey. And then it's like the, the quickest ending in history, isn't it? It's like, cut. <laughs> Cue, yes. cue music. Cue the, cue the music. It's the end. <sighs> That's Snake Dance. It's a four-parter that should be a two-parter, basically. Yes. But there's my there's my <laughs> opinion on it. Your Let's review. go to scores. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think to Snake Dance? Yeah, I'm going to surprise you. I do agree with you, actually. I do agree with you. And um, I was kind of dreading this. I was thinking, oh, dear. Snake Dance is not a story I, I gravitate towards <laughs> very often. So... Um, I think I may have only watched this twice before. Mm-hmm. Uh, once would have been back in 1983 when it was on the TV, believe it or not. Um, I would have watched it again when the DVD came out. Um, I yeah. think I watched it with the commentary. So watched it last night uh, for the first time. And goodness knows how long. Um, and uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised by some of it. Actually, I'll be honest with you. I was expecting it to. I was thinking this is going to be a slog, <laughs> and it does. Go, it does kind of it does become a slog yeah. around episode three yeah. but um no i i was quite engaged by the first two episodes actually i'll be honest with you i thought actually this is uh this is not bad stuff actually this is really quite creepy and um uh, who's doing the soundtrack is it peter Howell? his music is yeah. fantastic in this mm-hmm. it really adds to the the quite unsettling nature of this story so i was i was on board uh, actually, I was surprised myself. I was like, actually, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, this is going to be one of those pleasant little surprises that, you know, I thought was rubbish and I'm, it's actually quite good. Uh, it does take a dip mm. in episode three yep. and uh, episode four uh, it, it is better, um, uh, but it does end really abruptly. Uh, but what I'm going to say is so overall, I actually 
quite enjoyed this an awful lot more than I was expecting. Um, but I will say this, you, you have to be in the mood for it. <laughs> and it is not one for the casual viewer. <laughs> not at all. No. Because no. half the time I didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, and, the, <laughs> and the reason I enjoyed it was because uh, I was sort of in, I liked the whole, I thought Tegan was given, you know, something good to do a for a change. Part, by a bit, yeah. Yes, a juicy part. So I was, yeah, so there were bits of it I really enjoyed. There's some nice performances in it as well, actually, which um, I hadn't sort of remembered, um, which we'll get into. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the shambles I was expecting, but in terms of, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll introduce you to Doctor Who. I've got a good story for you. This is not one of them because, it's, as I said, it's not for the casual viewer. And I still don't really understand. I mean, we keep cutting back to this guy in the desert. I'm still not sure what, how the Doctor finds him. Anyway, it's as confusing as hell. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But, as a, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I found a slight new love for it, actually. Yeah, right. for, for a few reasons. But it's not okay. perfect. Yeah. Okay. No means perfect. So that's okay. my thoughts. Yeah. A mixed bag, as we like to say. Yeah. Um, I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. Oh. I know you like surprises. I do. Um, I, was in a, <laughs> I was in a very similar situation to you. I had, um, I'd watched it when I very first bought it on DVD, DVD years ago and thinking, uh, you know, it, was just, it just felt like a slog. Um, yeah. And it felt like it could have been one of those really cool little, you know, in Tom's era, we get those cheeky little three-parters now and then. Mm. It felt like it could have been much more suited to that shorter running time. Definitely. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, because but... episode three really brings it down. So you, I kept thinking that. This, is, this has been going quite well now, up yeah, till now. Yeah. yeah. But then when I watched it last night, I thought, as, you know, time does uh it kind of because memory and nostalgia provide a bit of a buffer in your brain that gives you sort of a preconception before you go into something if that makes sense it's like yeah you know you don't really focus and remember all of the little details of a story if you haven't watched it in years you just remember either it was really good or you remember all the bad bits yes so your mind sort of buffers your memory um but when i watched it last night like you i thought this is actually pretty good Mm. Um, it's really creepy. It's one of the scarier. It's really creepy. Yeah, one of the scarier uh, Davison stories. Um, but one thing that I was quite, not disappointed with, but one thing that I really wanted to have more of was actually The Doctor. Mm. And, this is, and I really like Davison. As you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of his, of his uh, Doctor. But yeah. I just feel like Davison was really flat in this one. Oh, no. Yeah. And I have huge, great respect for Mr. Davison and his acting abilities and, and him as mm. the Doctor, as you know. But for some reason, I just thought, yeah, I, it, pretty much every scene. I mean, he, it's one of those episodes and one of our, um, I'm pretty sure one of our listeners commented on this in, in one of the uh, Twitter or Facebook. I can't remember. We'll come on to those later. But what, he does this thing in some of his stories where it's almost like he's out of breath all the time. Mm. And... I, f I just found that the majority of the scenes he was in, unless he was sort of running 10 feet down the market lane, um, which only happened a couple of times, <laughs> yeah. um, he's just kind of standing there a lot of the time. A lot of his scenes are just him standing there and he's just having a conversation. And I'm not, I just wasn't drawn to him in 
as, as I am with, you know, the majority of the other stories that he's in. Mm. And so, yeah, that was for me the one bit that I felt could have really boosted this story up a bit was just a bit more animation from from Davison. I just wanted him to be a bit more... Because the only bit that he really kind of... You see him go for it is at the very end where he's concentrating on the crystal. You mm. know, where Tegan's sort of inside, she's sort of superimposed into the snake's head. And she's saying to the, you know, she's having a bit of a one-on-one with the doctor in their mind sort of thing. Yeah. You know, he's kind of going for it then. But still, he's not really giving us, you know, full-on doctor that we've seen in some of his other stories. So, yeah, I mean, I can't Uh, pick uh, out a scene where Davison's actually doing anything other than just talking to people. I don't know about, am I missing that? I'm quite surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, because um, one of the things I thought was how good Davison was in it. No, oh, really? genuinely, yeah. I, yeah, I really thought I because I'll tell you, yeah, I'm I'm really shocked you've said that because you know we've said before we can you can often tell if Davison isn't into a script you can sort of see that he's just not giving it hundred percent and I was thinking oh this is one where he's really into it um it's interesting though because watching the little documentary after this was the first story he recorded uh, after deciding not to carry on yes. as the doctor. So he's given his notice mm-hmm. and then he's gone in to record this. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So no, I, I yeah, I'll tell you why I thought he was into it. It's because I, I love all the stuff at the start where he's really pushing Tegan and he's quite stroppy. And I, and I wrote down um, that he's almost channeling the first doctor a bit. Mm-hmm. He's very, because people often say, oh, Davison's really dull and he's, you know, and I was thinking, oh, I thought he was quite strong at the start because like, this is telling him off all the time. Doctor, you're going too far. You know, he's like, no, cut, you know, I thought he was really into it. And he's, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get that at all. Mate. I thought he was really good. At it. The only thing I would say is like in episode three, where they're <laughs> in that prison for nearly the entire episode, he, you know, that does get dull. Mm-hmm. And he, like you said, he's doing nothing and he's just like, yeah, he does. He does look bored. But then I think the viewers bored because like oh come on they've been in the prison the whole episode get out yeah. um so i don't know mate i didn't get that i actually thought davison was one of the plus points for me in this i thought he was pretty good actually yeah he, he seems to, no. no i didn't know because he's, he's like there's scenes where he's like bursting into the office and he's having to go at old um ambril and stuff like that and i don't know for me he kept the pace up but yeah i don't know i got a different vibe yeah I, do you know what it's not that i feel like he wasn't into the story because mm. uh, a couple of stories and you can You've tell it a mile yeah. off. You yeah. can tell when he's not. You can you can tell when he doesn't really like a story and he doesn't, you know, he's not feeling it. And I'm not saying that he was, he had that same feeling on, on this. I just felt like he was in the same, uh, like the beginning scene when he's in a TARDIS and he's, um, he, he's really, like you said, pushing Tegan to, to go mm. into this, you know, deeper into a dream and, and stuff. Yeah, he's good. Don't get it wrong. He's good. Mm. And at the end, when he's focusing on the, on the crystal, he's really going for it and stuff. But I, for me, I just felt like the majority of the scenes that he was in, he's just standing there with his hands in his pockets the whole time. And he's just talking normally. I just felt like I just wanted a bit more, uh, selfishly, I wanted a bit more, McCoy, Matt Smith about him, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted him to be animated more instead of just walking through the scene with his hands in his pockets, which he seemed to do an awful lot, mm. um, and just talking a lot. I just wanted more 
out of him. Yeah, I get it. It was because he's it's quite um it's quite a limited in its sets as well, isn't it? Story like they're like you said that market square. They've only got that one tiny little set which they use a lot. Yeah. The cave and the TARDIS at the beginning. It's it's, it's very very limited in in terms. It's quite what's the word I'm trying to find? Restrictive. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. I, I do get where you're going, but yeah, I just. It, it's interesting because as well, this is from series um, two for Davison. So it's Davison's second series as the Doctor. And he, he's famously on record as saying, isn't he, you know, that he sort of, this is where it all, he decided, no, you know, I'm going. And then he did series three and he really liked a lot of the stories in series three. And he said, didn't he, like, if I'd have got more stories like that in series two, yeah. I probably would have stayed. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. This is the sort of series where, he perhaps was thinking, right, yeah, I'm not sure. I've done a series. I think I'm off already, <laughs> you know. So, it, yeah. and then obviously he got more into the Doctor again in Series 3. So, it's interesting you say that. But no, I I, I, I liked him in this. I would have liked cool, to have seen cool. a bit more of him, though. Yeah. I agree, because Tegan very much takes centre stage in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Which is nice. As I said, it's good for Tegan to get something other to do than just constantly moan about can you get me back to Heathrow doctor you know like she's actually given something to do I mean she does spend a lot of the story possessed but she does it quite well actually and the voice thing is really creepy Mm -hmm. and quite well done because sometimes um when they do this thing where actors are I I guess they're mixing her voice but I think there's a bit where Martin Clunes sort of has to Uh lip sync to someone else's dialogue and they do it quite well for the time actually Uh, it, it is chilling it's mm-hmm. properly creepy. But it's just that, unfortunately, by the time we get to episode three, they start, and I think this comes back to what you're saying about Davison, they start sort of doing the same things over and over again. So, like, Tegan starts saying for the hundredth time, you know, you will obey me, mm-hmm. sort of thing. You will, you do what I say. And you sort of thing. yeah, we get it, you're possessed. We need to move the story on a bit now. Mm-hmm. And Davison's locked in that prison and he's run around the market square 400 times. And so, yeah, it does start to feel a bit repetitive, I think, by episode three. Yeah, so, I, yeah. yeah, I can see what you're saying about the Doctor there. Um, like you said, it would have been this. Davison had a couple of great little two-parters, in my opinion. I like Black Orchid and stuff. So this, I think, would have been a great three-parter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, just needed to cut out all that r- repetitive stuff in episode three and all the prison and, mm-hmm. yeah, this would have been a cracker. And also, it's really... The, the edits are really quick. They've tried to make it really fast-paced, but actually it just makes it even more confusing. Like, the scenes are so short. Mm-hmm. Every little scene just cuts. They like have a couple of words of dialogue, cut to another scene. Back to that same shot. Back to the... It cuts far too much. And I'm watching... And I was, I was thinking this all the way through. Like, it's really fast-paced, but actually it's too fast-paced because it's mm. confusing as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I watched a little making of documentary and the writer Christopher Bailey said, uh, you know, he kind of wrote it. He's, you know, more experienced in writing in a sort of play style. So a lot of the scenes he wrote were quite long, you know. So if you take the scene where Tegan goes to see the crystal ball lady, right? <laughs> so imagine that's not cut into like 20 different scenes. It's played out as one <laughs> scene, right? <laughs> that's how it was written. And it would have made the story more cohesive, I think. Um, but Eric Sayward came in as script editor and just said, you know, come on, we've got to, you, you can't have these long, can't have these long scenes. It's not a play. We've got to, so he chopped it up and made all those long scenes, which explained the story yeah, over yeah. time in a sort of nice sort of fluent way. Mm-hmm. Sayward's come in and chopped it up to make it a fast 
action TV show. Um, and for me, that kind of, I think they could, it could have got the balance better. It would, you know, by all means, right. chop a few scenes up. But for me, the, the, the scenes are too chopped up. Like it, it halfway through, you're thinking, blimmin' heck, like you're out of breath. You're thinking, what's going on in this story? Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. So I think it would have been nice if they'd have let a few of the scenes breathe a bit more. Um, but it seems that that was down to Eric Sayward as the script editor. He like literally chopped it up to try and make it fast paced. But mm-hmm. ima- imagine it as, as, you know, Christopher Bailey sort of envisaged it as the scenes explaining the stories, you know, like all the stuff with um, uh, Lon and his mum. Mm-hmm. You know, he's explaining the story, isn't he? But it's chopped up. So you get all these little scenes in between. So actually you lose the thread, I think. Oh, and okay. I think that's why it's so confusing, if you if you see what I mean. Yeah. And I get you. I mean, I, I, I really like the the backstory. So the mm. whole, um, everything that happened on Manusa and and all that stuff with the, the Mara and um, mm. the Federator and the, the Snark, the Snark. Mm-hmm. the snake dancers and all that stuff. It's, I've, yeah, it's creepy as hell. Yeah, it's cool enough. It was a really cool sort of almost historical element to it, sort of fictional, you know, uh, history that's being fed to us, which is really cool. It just um, it just seemed to go on for a long time. Yes. You know, it would have been handy to have got all that stuff out of the way in the first episode. So as a viewer, it's like, right, okay, I get what's going on. This is a bit of history about what's going on. But we're now in this situation and now we need to do this to resolve it kind of thing. Mm. And then have the Doctor and, and Nissa locked up in sort of the last 10 minutes of episode two and then go straight into episode four. You know, that would have been a cool... Um, story arc because I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. that in episode three not a lot happened anyway. No, it's not. It's the that's what I mean. They they just keep doing the same thing over again. It's T, you know, Tegan possession, Doctor mm. in the cell, Tegan possession, Doctor in the cell. A little bit more explanation about the statue, which we've already heard. Yeah. It does. It, it it just keeps going over the same themes in episode three. And like you said, we already know all that. So get out. You know, <laughs> yeah, just get rid of that stuff and then cut mm. to the chase. Yeah, because it's like you said, the, the actual backdrop and. St- story i think is really good in snake dance that's what surprised me about it now i've kind of reevaluated it and sort of um i probably zoned out a lot i think i mean i certainly wouldn't have got this as a kid mate i would have been uh what was it 1983 yeah so seven eight years old i wouldn't have had a clue what was going on at that age i literally wouldn't know what was going on i mean i don't know what's going on at this age you know what i mean it's like I, so to rewatch it again there is a good story there but man i would not have got this as a kid no um i can only barely get my head around it as an adult so um but it is good like i said once you do get the flow of the story and all the stuff with the mara and the fact it's 500 years later after kinder and all that stuff so it's it's good stuff really uh, the actual story is just i'm not sure it's quite translated onto screen a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And we did, we did have, um, sort of another element in there, the sort of, uh, kind of espionage, uh, you know, the, the character, um, Sheila or Chella played by Jonathan Morris. Yeah. You? Yeah. He was quite cool. We had, we had him who was sort of bought into the whole snake dance thing and the crystals and, and all that. Yeah. And it was sort of at, at odds with, uh, with Ambril because Ambril it, it just dismisses it, the whole lot every time, doesn't he? He's like, "Oh, it's a load of nonsense," you know. Yeah. It, and uh, and and Sheila's more like, actually, no, there's there's more to it, and these little clues pop up, um, and a really weird scene as well where Ambril basically finds a really big clue 
<laughs> to the whole thing that was uh, he finds the diary or the the ledger of um of of Dogen, his predecessor mm. and on the last page he uh he recounts something that the doctor had said to them and it all sort of matches up and it's like hold on a minute this is the clue yeah you know, this is the thing that's going to link it all together and even then he's like oh it's still poppycock and, mm-hmm, yeah. and all that so silly old fool <laughs> yeah so you have that going on with Chila as well he's kind of he's not really a supporter of the snake dancers but he kind of mm. he has a feeling doesn't he that he believes he's a believer almost yeah and, uh, so he sort of aids the doctor in in for a little while in episode three and you know, busts them out and then... Eventually. And on they go, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that for, forever as well. But So we do have these other cool little elements in there that run alongside the main story because we also have the... We have um, Lon's mum, don't we? Yeah. Uh, Tane, Tana? Tana? And uh, she's almost on the fence in a couple of places. You know, she's... She's got this sort of wise old mumness about her. She knows mm. what's going on. She knows her son very well. But then when she discovers that she's, he's not quite himself, she begins to suspect and she knows something's going on. But she doesn't really do anything either. She just she goes She doesn't do much, does she? No, it's a shame, actually. I feel like there's a there's a nice performance mm. from her, but I feel like there's a good character sort of wasted there. Because all she really does is... Um, you know, sort of tell Lon off for being such a stroppy son, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't she? She's like, are you coming to the party? No, I'm not. Oh, stay there then, you miserable so <laughs> So, yeah, but I actually thought she did quite good in the part and quite, you know, uh, just a sort of wasted character, really. It didn't go anywhere. Like you said, doesn't get nothing to do at all, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Does she save the Doctor? No. So, you know, there's that weird cliffhanger to episode three where suddenly, like, Kill them! And Nissa screams so loud oh, that, yeah. that the TV yeah. picture distorts. I don't know if you noticed that. It it's normally that yeah. happens when you get gunfire. Gunfire, yeah. <laughs> but uh, she obviously screams so loud. Um, who say who walks around the corner and stops? Because that is like a typical. Right, we must have a cliffhanger now, and then oh, it's, it's diffused uh... within seconds. Someone just walks around and goes, "Stop!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's and that, and then that's over. They're not getting killed. Um, it's, it's not her, is it? No, I think it's. No, it might be Amber or Ambrose, something. I think, yeah. Ambrose possessed, is he? I don't know. No, can't he's not. No, but I think he. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. Oh, I can't remember. I guess it's a shame actually because one of the things I thought when I was watching this yesterday was um, the first cliffhanger is brilliant. Mm. I was like, when yeah. it finished, that 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 crystal ball explodes with the skull coming out. I thought. Blimmin' heck, this is good stuff, actually. Why have I not, you know, why why do I, have I not watched this, but, you know, why do I consider this so bad? This is really good, because it's a great cliffhanger to episode one. Um, can't remember the cliffhanger to episode two. Uh, maybe it's not that good. Can't remember it. And then you get the sort of really typical Doctor Who cliffhanger to episode three with, kill them! <laughs> and then it's like, no, stop. Oh, okay, then. Yeah. You know, and so it's a shame, actually. It, do, it does fizzle out, actually. The more I think about it, it does fizzle out, doesn't it? <laughs> It's yeah. it's all there's all good stuff in there, but yeah, it it just doesn't quite grasp yeah. all those brilliant elements and pull them together. You know, mm. it's it's funny because the ending is so abrupt as well, because the story massively overrun, um, which it, you know they, they just literally had to cut the end scene off. <laughs> so it just ends, doesn't it, with Davison saying to Tegan, "It's okay, he's the Mara's dead." when it cuts it the, but yeah. there was a whole like two minute scene of explanation after that which i think was really needed it was. like yeah. you do so it does end and you do sit there and think 
was like, blimmin' heck, what's all that about? <laughs> you know, what was that about? Um, and then they do slightly give a recap at the beginning of the next story. Is it Mordred Undead? Mordred Undead. Yeah. yeah, so for the faithful viewer that stayed on for that one, they <laughs> do give something to you about this story. But yeah, it's a shame. It massively overrun. And I think that they, they should have cut stuff out of episode three. I know I mm-hmm. keep banging on about it, but... But it needed the explanation and stuff at the end, which they had to cut for timing reasons. I don't know why they didn't junk half the prison stuff and put that in. Mm. Um, it seems strange. Maybe they just couldn't get the cliffhanger in the right place if they did that. I don't know. But yeah, it does. It does end very abruptly. This story because of it, because of it overrunning. It does, and it, it does end very sharply as well because the 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 Mara's sort of manifested itself as a physical snake at this point hasn't it and yes and when it can't take over the doctor's mind and it you know the doctor defeats it with, with the aid of uh of of dojin yeah via the, the 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 crystals and uh the snake sort of falls to the ground and it's got this pink ooze sort of oh, coming out of it. they've tried to make it look like it's you know yeah it's dying right there and the doctor sits next to tegan and She's crying her eyes out. She's a good performance from um, from Jeanette Fielding. She's really sort of bawling her eyes out. And mm. but yeah, it's just the doctor says, "Oh, don't worry, it's it's over now." <laughs> Cue the music. It literally is like that, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of, and it almost it almost sort of dilutes the impact of what we've just seen because well, it does because you're like what? Yeah, because it's a bit like um, you know, it's a bit like being held at gunpoint when you're out somewhere mm. and then you think you're going to get robbed and this is going on for five minutes and then the person lives up lifts up their balaclava and it's your mate and he's like oh i'm just joking and then you go off and have lunch you know yeah. sort of, <laughs> you know everything that horrific ordeal you've just been through is now just a joke because it's your mate saying oh it's over now it's fine it was just a prank just and you're a like joke. oh whatever you you and then yeah. you're off it kind of feels like that at the end it's like because the doctor's essentially just saying to us as the viewer as well, well, that story's done now. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It's like, you, we've entertained you for a little while, but yeah, we're off now. That's that then. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, you know, off we go. Yeah. Um, if you do want to see the, the, the scene that should have been at the end, it's thankfully it's on the DVD. Yeah. So you can watch it how it should, well, you can watch the scene that would have gone on the end mm-hmm. and finish the story if you want to it's about two minutes long um it's on the dvd so yeah it would have, would have been nice to have included it but you know back in the day they got to keep it under 25 minutes so sorely yeah. needed yeah. yeah yeah uh and i like the the whole festival thing that was going on as well so the I whole like all that yeah. yeah the whole points of the big street festival and stuff that was going on and and all that so the whole planet is basically in like its 500th sort of celebratory year if you like of the mara being destroyed so that's why there's a lot of um sort of circus stuff going on and um crystal balls and house of magic mirrors and all that malarkey Mm. Uh, so i i really like that as well because it just sort of aided to the whole history of everything it sort of brought a bit of credibility because it would have been very easy for one of the actors just to say, oh yeah, we're celebrating 500 years and then you have to buy into it and then mm. you didn't see anything to back it up. So I like that the whole place is going through it and we get It that. ties it nicely into Kinder, doesn't it? It does. All that. Yeah. Like you don't have to know about Kinder, but it, it does tie it nicely and if you do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And we get some exposition as well at the beginning between Lon and, and Tana. So she's mm. sort of telling us 
as well as him, you know, the story of of that stuff because he's got that sulky, miserable, spoiled, royal <laughs> yeah, bratness spoiled brat. Yeah, going yeah. on and he's like, you know, he's almost like, tell me a story, I'm bored. Mm. So she gives him the story of all of that stuff, which is kind of cool. So I like how they sort of fleshed out the st- It was a shame that they, you know, obviously being classic Who, they didn't have enough budget to build any larger sets. But what they did build was was reasonably okay, just a little bit restrictive and claustrophobic at times because the sets were really narrow as well, like the street scene with the stalls and little circus you, tents was really narrow. What do you think of the sets in this? Because it's totally studio-based, this story. Um, and I sometimes get a bit... I always like to have a bit of location, but um, I actually thought the sets, they are limited, but um, I actually thought they were quite good in this, actually. They, they sort of not too overlit. You know, like the cave and stuff, and I didn't think they were too bad. They are very limited. I mean, it seems like they've got four or five sets. I think one of them. Oh, what do they say on the making of? They had to use the the set from. It's not Eurovision, but it's something else, something very similar to that. They were yeah, like, "Oh, well, that's, yeah. that looks futuristic. We'll borrow that because we haven't got any money to make a set." So there's a bit of Eurovision set or something in there. It's not Eurovision, but anyway. Um, but I, overall, I thought actually it looked pretty good uh, for the time. Like the cave set that that I like that design of the wall it's got like these oh, right. the yeah. snake in stone i thought mm-hmm. that's pretty good mm. um and the market set yeah it's very basic but it just i don't know for the for sort of suits doctor who of that era i think you know with all the drapes and stuff so it wasn't too bad mm. even the prison set <laughs> which is really basic yes it's unbelievably basic but it's got this weird angled front to it mm. which just makes it slightly interesting i thought okay that's yeah, you. I like that. It's you know. So I think in terms of the yeah, sort of the production wise, it's um, I think it looks pretty decent actually for the time. No, I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the prison bars. Just by angling them forward like that, it gives it a, so simple a strange yeah. sort of feel to it. But overall, yeah. I mean, the sets were okay. the. I found the market, the market, the street stalls and everything quite good. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, inside the tents and so on. They were quite good. Uh, I just didn't find the cave that well done, purely because it's just a cave at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be like this lavish, huge set, but they were okay. It was just a bit... I mean, in terms of their design, they were very good. It was just the scale that was very... felt really tiny. You know, yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah. It definitely feels restricted. Yeah. Um, I mean, sets aside, I think what... You know, you were saying earlier about how your mind... <laughs> cherry picks what it remembers about a story yeah. you know so i mean poor old martin clunes he, he does get absolutely weighed down for example in his costume because it you know some of them they are so over the top aren't they you know that cloud thing he has to wear at the end with the big gold <laughs> big gold hat uh, and it's a shame really because those are the things i remember about the story when i think about it but you know what the the performances from the cast in this are really good mm. on the whole i mm. think um but they get totally overshadowed by the <laughs> costumes i mean martin clunes actually i think gives a really nice performance in this it's his first tv role as well which i didn't realize that it's the first thing he's done for television so he's quite he seems quite confident um considering it's you know his lack of experience if you like in front of the camera mm. so in my mind, I always think he's awful in it because I picture him in those costumes and he's very bratty and stuff like that. But watching it again yesterday, I thought, actually, he's giving quite a nice performance. He is playing the sort of part of the spoiled brat, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't think he goes over the top. I think it's just the fact he's sort of, you know, he's sort of weighed down with all this awful costume. It just overshadows his performance a bit, I think. You know, I don't know. Ooh. What did you think of him in it? Or did you think he was a bit... Because as I said, it's his first TV role, but I thought he was all right, especially when he's possessed. I thought he was quite good. Yeah, I thought it was a solid performance, to be honest with you. I thought yeah. He's got uh, John Nathan Turner all over him. <laughs> you can tell, can't you? Oh yeah, the earrings. The I mean, the, the, yeah, the camp. It's the same actually. It's, so, it's very, yeah, the clothes are very camp. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell that uh, JNT has sort of put his stamp on this character. You can tell mm. that from from anywhere. But no, I thought his performance was um, yeah, was 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 actually very good. Considering because I, like you, I was surprised. Like, is this his first his first time on TV? This is. I thought he'd been around for years before this, mm. but no, it's um, no, he's pretty good. And the, he he probably hates it as well because there was a time <laughs> when they used to dig this cliff out, didn't they? They used to sort of, yes. you know, on the yeah. TV shows like you know, um, where did we see them first, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And they would dig out this clip of him coming around wearing that cloud top and <laughs> and the shot of him with the earring and stuff. And he, it it is very cringe. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's a shame because that's what people will remember is is that rather than actually the fact he's giving a really <laughs> nice performance under all that get up, you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to mention, sort of story-wise, before we talk about a few of these other characters? No, no, no. I'm cool with the story. I think we've yeah. we've covered it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the guys that were in the um, the street tents, the performers. Uh, so the the crystal ball person, the fortune teller, mm. quite a small part. Hillary Sester. Yeah, but quite good, I thought, because she's, yeah, I liked her. Like you said, she's a, yeah, I thought she was quite good as a sort of um, a side character. Mm. Mm. She was all right. She was, um, she sort of, I was, one thing that I did like about that scene and the way that this and the other guy, um, Doug Dale, the way that those characters were written, <laughs> I like the fact that she opens up to Tegan that it's all a load of nonsense. Because yeah. I thought that they were trying to make money and it's all meant to be authentic and stuff. And yeah. she's having a quite a nice little chat with Tegan. She's like, oh, you're feeling better now because you passed out sort of thing. And uh, she's like, oh, it's just a bunch of nonsense, really. I look into the ball and make stuff up. Because it would have been easy just to sort of try and portray them as these authentic, you know, people, but... I, I like that bit because I like, yeah, because it makes it even better when Tegan says, really, have another look. <laughs> and then you get that skull coming out and she's like, ah, screaming her head off and uh-huh. stuff. So that was a nice, nice little um, bit of writing. I think that, you know, the fact that she, the, the fortune teller herself is just dismissing it all. Mm-hmm. And then Tegan's uh, cruelly <laughs> does that to her. So, yeah, I thought it was a nice, nice piece of writing yeah. mm, and a nice performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about um, Dugdale then? The uh, the guy who runs the the crazy mirrors who gets caught up in it all uh, is that um, Brian Miller. Uh, Brian Miller, yes. Yeah. Uh, now the, here's a performance I've really enjoyed because again I've completely forgotten about him in this until now, and uh, and I think it'll stick in my mind actually. I haven't rewatched this because I, I thought I thought Brian Miller was was great in this. Mm. A really nice performance um, from him as this sort of uh, you know. Um, well, see, well, he's supposed to sort of be in charge of the, 
whatever it is, the Hall of Mirrors, isn't yeah, he? So he's, yeah. he's quite fun to begin with, and then he gets drawn into it and stuff. So I really liked him. I thought mm. he was good. Yeah, and, and uh, I felt sorry for him when they're sort of taunting him and, mm. and he's hiding behind his hat and stuff. So because so Brian Miller is went on to marry um, Elizabeth Sladen, didn't he? That's right. Yeah. And he was also in Deep Breath as mm-hmm. the tramp that yes. meets the Doctor. So we, he's got a bit of a connection to Doctor Who over the years, which is nice. So, But yeah, I really liked him in this. I, I was really surprised when he popped up because I couldn't place him at first as well. I was like, oh, no, now where do I know that face? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it all fell into place once I saw the name. So yeah, I thought he was really good in this. Liked him a lot. Liked the a, character. Yeah, he had a great performance, I feel, as well. Because yeah. at the beginning, yeah. he's a sort of happy-go-lucky yeah, having a bit of a laugh, and that's he's, it. Yeah, you know, come on in. Yeah, and uh, but just even his performance then at the beginning, he still had this because a lot of the actors in this are very, very British, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, in, so in this terms, is that era, isn't it, where everyone talks a very BBC British accent? Yes, yes. Yeah. So even though they're on an alien planet, you know, light years away in a different galaxy somewhere, in mm. a different time, they still speaking, you know, very fluent. <laughs> yeah, you know, proper old English, um, and the way that he does it is really well done because he's got like these arm actions and stuff, and he's quite, you know, he's a bit of a salesman. He's trying to get people mm. in, um, and then he sort of transforms as the story goes on. So towards the end, he's just this sort of lackey, really. He's uh, yeah. sort of, um, you know, he's complete opposite of when we saw him at the beginning of the story, and he plays both ends really well. He's so I thought it was a great performance from Brian Miller. Really good. I did, I did. And we we sometimes talk, don't we, about these little side characters that sort of stand out in stories. And for me, he was one of them. I thought, yeah, a really nice little performance from him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chile, then. I know we mentioned him before, Jonathan Morris, the guy that helps the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, again, better than I thought, because I, I, I thought I remembered him as being a bit wet. Because <laughs> uh, Jonathan Morris tends to play these characters that sort of walk and all walked all over and stuff, and um, no, actually, he was not too bad because um, he sort of had a good line between sort of doing a little bit of comedy because there's not much in this, to be fair. <laughs> you know, like when he's sort of accidentally telling the Doctor too much and uh, Ambrose telling him off. And it was sort of just these little side sort of glances and stuff. So I actually thought Jonathan Moss was not bad in this at all. Um, Davison says that he didn't in, he didn't um, didn't seem very happy <laughs> uh, yes. on set uh, on yeah. the making of. Uh, this is the thing I love about Davison on the DVDs. He's he's so honest and uh, mm. just tells it how it is. And I think he says actually that you know Jonathan felt his part should have been bigger or something. Uh, but no, I thought he was quite good naturally. Yeah, not bad. What he does, yeah. Not bad. Uh, what about the old dude that just meditates the whole time, Dojin? Well, he, does, he doesn't say a word, does he? He does sort of oh, through his mind. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So I was imagining him getting the script and it just being a blank page. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not much for you to say, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you do get to do this and you do get to go to Ealing <laughs> and be filmed on film. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, actually, to be fair, he's good casting because uh, he really looks the part, doesn't oh, he? he does, yeah. He looks like a wise old meditator. Um, so, uh, yeah, actually, he might not say a lot, but I think he's, again great casting actually and he does totally look look the part yeah he does indeed <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah he does have a few scenes where he's he opens his eyes which is good 
Yes, yeah, so he gets to do the snake bite when Davidson has to handle a, oh, yeah. those little weird thin snakes. And Davidson hated doing that. It's another thing he talks about in the DVD commentary. He's like, oh, I've really hated. I didn't want to touch those snakes, even though they told me they were, you know, weren't venomous. And they do cut between real snakes and rubber snakes yeah. quite a yeah. lot in this story, don't they? So there's a bit where the doctor has to pretend to be bitten by one and mm-hmm. it's cuts from a real snake to, I don't know if you noticed the cut mate because it's <laughs> so subtle it's, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank god he didn't have to wrestle with it um, uh, yes you know in typical sort of style but uh, yeah it, it, yeah he's good he is good actually yeah for what he has to do he's he good. is yeah uh, what about Ambrill then John Carson yeah uh, just really on point throughout the whole story really yeah. Um, just that very shouty, you know, typical old English sort of not buying into anything, sort of, st- you know, stands by his values and his beliefs and no one's going to change that. And, uh, yeah, I just thought he carried it really well. Even at the beginning where um, Lon is smashing the old things on the ground and obviously, you know, he's distraught by that. He's still almost got this sort of stiff upper lip and... Yeah. So I just thought his it's one of those consistent performances, really. So from literally from beginning to end, he was in the character, you know, fully. Yeah, I liked him as well because mm. again, there's not much humour in this story, but he does add a nice little humour element to it in his performance about sort of taking us out of the creepiness. So I liked him as well. I really like that scene between him and the doctor where the doctor's making him wear the hat with all the heads. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, there's only five. He's like one, two, three, four, and yours six. And he's like, oh, how did I not realize? And all this sort of stuff. So that was a, that was a really nice scene. I thought mm-hmm. between two of them. And uh, yeah, it just adds a little bit of light relief, I think without being silly. Cause like you said, you really feel sorry for him actually when Lon is smashing all his, relic plates because he's so pleased isn't he when he sees them he's like a treasure trove and then Lon starts smashing them and he's he's heartbroken Uh, so yeah I thought it was a nice performance from him yeah and also it's been driving me mad where I kept thinking his costume's familiar he looks like another character now I might be wrong because I haven't checked this but I think he's wearing some of the clothes from what's the story fourth doctor's story uh it's gone. It's gone. It's the first one in the key to time. It's a story I don't think I like, but I haven't watched it for years. Oh, um, the one in the snow. Can't think what it's called. Our listeners will know. I think he's wearing a costume from that, but I might be completely wrong. It does look so familiar. He could be. I kept he thinking all the way through. I think it's the costume. You know, the guy's wearing that great big hat or something. Oh, I don't know. I'm getting confused. It's so long since I watched it, but it looked very familiar. His costume, anyway. I'm sure it's from another story, but I could be wrong. Hmm. <laughs> What Maybe. is that called? I'm going to Google it quickly. Key to time. It's not Rebus Operation, is it? Um, it's the one before. Uh, in the snow. In the, um, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> oh, I'll come back to it. Oh, it is Rebus Operation. Yeah, it is Rebus Operation. You could be um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody out there will know, but it just struck me that it looks similar to a costume from that. But okay. yeah, yeah could be they right. don't mention it in the making of. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we've spoken about um, Tana and Lon. Um, yeah. What about uh, Nisa and Tegan then? Those guys, because two very different roles in this one, because sometimes yeah. those two are kind of like best buds almost in a lot of their stories. 
They are, which is why I quite liked, again, sort of, I, I really liked the fact we got Nissa and the Fifth Doctor sort of paired up together in this. I think they work really well. Yeah. Poor old Sarah does suffer the same fate as Martin Clunes, though, in the costume department. Her <laughs> outfit is awful Crikey. in this. Yeah. She looks, it looks like Andy Pandy. Yeah. You know, and there's a scene at the beginning where she comes out wearing it, like all happy, and the doctor's not taking any notice, and she keeps trying to get him to notice, and and all that sort of thing. I mean, how could you not notice it? It's <laughs> it's, it's horrific. I don't know who was the costume designer on this. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's it's a bit eye catching to <laughs> say the least, and I don't know if she wears it again. I certainly don't remember it, but um, but I think her performance is good. Uh, Nissa, as I said, I think her and Davison work really well together. I do. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's lovely to see those two. It's good to get sort of Janet Fielding out of the way because, like you said, they often pair Tegan and Nissa up, don't they? And they normally don't give them anything to do, so it's good to have them split up for a change. Um, Tegan, I think, is is great in this. I really, really like Janet Fielding's performance in this. Um, I think she was probably pleased to be given something to do. And she grabs it and goes of it, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think they're both very strong in this story. Again, it's it, much better than I remember. Um, yeah. And uh, and also, there's yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, it's nice to give Tegan a bit bit something a bit different to do. Because normally if someone's possessed, it normally gets boring very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know possession again but i think she does it really well she really suits being this sort of possessed character i think so yeah very good performances from both i thought no i completely agree mate i thought um yeah i thought Jeanette fielding had a cracker of a story yeah in this one she uh yeah she um she took on the possessed role really well it's really creepy when she goes from being scared tegan to this sort of evil little laugh and yeah stuff she does it very very well alarming dreams well. <laughs> the dream stuff at the start and all that she's yeah, yeah it's really good in it yeah. yeah and this uh yeah uh sarah Sutton, very very good with davis and it's just those blimmin outfits it's the outfits yeah. yeah i don't know who the i don't know who it was hopefully it wasn't june hudson because i love june hudson but i don't think i don't so. think so no i hope no. not no um, and uh, we've spoken about Davison, but let's just finish off with him. So, yeah, you know, so my slight feeling. difference of opinion on Davison in this one, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, like for example, I thought that he was, um, you know, quite a bit better in Mordrin Undead. By the time oh, I get yes. around to that, I think he's very good in that, and yeah. even Ark of Infinity, the story before this one, I thought he was very good in that. Um, but in this one, yeah, yeah, as I said, I just felt like he was slightly flat. Okay, and I just wanted a bit more from him, but I appreciate that you thought he was. You thought he yeah. was. He was doing it. I, I I really liked him in it. I would have. I agree with you. I'd like to see more of him. Really, I'd like to see more of him getting sort of stuck into the action. Um, but uh, there's a bit I do like is where he's talking about the. <laughs> it's really random as well because I think he's trying to. He's sort of trying to build something. It might be that iPod that he gives to Tegan. Oh, I can't iPod. remember. <laughs> That's so funny. He gives it like this early on, but um. No, there's a bit where he's like frantically trying to put something together and he starts telling the story about a a man that dreamt he was a frog and when he woke up he couldn't remember if he was a, a frog that had actually dreamt he was a man. And, and I thought, oh, I love that. I love it when Davidson just comes out with random stuff like that. So, But yeah, no, for me, I, I really enjoyed Davidson this one. I thought he was really good. But cool. I, I would have cool. liked to have seen a bit more of him, doing a bit more, yeah. Okay, dokie. Anything else before scores? Just have a quick look at my list. I think we've pretty much covered it, actually. We mentioned the music. I really like the music. I did, yes. It really did work Mm. for me in this episode. Because, you know, we're talking 1983. Sometimes the soundtracks are a bit 
80s <laughs> back then because it was in the 80s but no i thought it was really good stuff from peter howell and this actually really added to the to the sort of creepy atmosphere really good stuff yeah very good yes scores then buddy right it is you to go first it is me and i'm going much higher than i thought i was um i'm going with a 7.5 for this oh, um okay. yeah i thought it was a good story um, I, I very creepy uh, as I said not for the casual viewer but it is one I'd have to be in the mood for but I enjoyed it a lot um, mm. just you know a couple of points off really for the fact that episode 3 is so drab we get a punch and judy scene that goes on for <laughs> <laughs> what feels like half the episode uh, yeah. it really lets it down actually and the abrupt ending and stuff like that but yeah I'm going high mate because I think the, the cast in it are great uh, and uh, yeah, and I think there is a good story in there. Just it's just chopped up a bit too much. But yeah, seven point five. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, as you probably expected, with a six point yep. five. A six point five. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason why I'm going a little bit lower than you is because of Davison's performance, in my opinion, mm. but also mm-hmm. just the length of the story as a whole. And yeah, I agree with you about that. Definitely. A few things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Overall, not a bad watch. Pretty good. S- certainly better than I was expecting. Yeah. Yes. Okay, what did our lovely listeners think? We had a couple of uh, audio clips in. Let's uh, jump on the first one now. This is Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, snake dance. Weird is how I would put this one. I am scared of snakes, so I can't really blame Tegan for being terrified of them. There's a lot of multicolored snakes in this story. It's okay. Well, as far as weird goes, I give it five scary snakes out of ten. Oh, and Gary, I hope this has brought you back down to earth now that you've met David Tennant. <sighs> I'm so jealous. Anyway, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. And yes, it has brought me down with a thump. I must admit, I'm glad Sammy finished this because I saw on Twitter that she was struggling with it. I think she watched the first two <laughs> and said, oh, I've had to yeah. give up. I'll, I'll come back to it tomorrow. And I thought, uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> so yeah. you made it through and it sounds like it was all right in the end. So that's Not okay. too bad. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, over on Twitter, the Theta Sigma podcast. Ah, uh, hi, guys. Says, not the best sequel Doctor Who has ever had. A shame, really, as it had the potential to be brilliant, but suffers from poor acting and poor production values. No, no not poor acting. I, says, liked, I thought they were good. Yeah, he says, at best, a five out of ten. Okay. Uh, the TARDIS Files HQ mm-hmm. uh, says, an interesting follow-up from, from Kinder. Uh, although Kinder is it's a better episode... Uh, some interesting ideas brought up in this one, and Davison gives a great performance as usual, even with a somewhat dull script. But I'm afraid it's no higher than a five out of ten. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. Uh, dear. Sarah Louise Bagger, the running Whovian, says, I thought the storyline was good. Uh, interesting, and it held my attention. Uh, the Doctor, Nissa, and Dugdale, and Lorn all performed well. Tegan and the rest of the supporting cast, not so. Oh. Uh, production provided some quality scenes, but the poor scenes really did let it down. Uh, so I give it a six out of ten. Fair enough. Uh, the Proctor Who podcast. Hey, hi guys. Hey guys. Um, they say um, I think uh, it's one of the one of my favourite Davison stories. Really, Martin Clunes is great, as is the rest of the cast. Love it. Eight point five. Brilliant. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. The Proctor Who is such a cool podcast, by the way. If you don't listen I to those it. guys, yeah. yeah, go and check them out. Uh, 
Uh, Nick Payne, 99, says, I found it dull and unengaging. Oh, dear. A, a poor story with uh, meh execution. Martin Clunes was good in his guest appearance, though. Mm. Mm. Um, and Andrew Dexter says, I, I remember this story from 83. Yay. It was the first time I saw Martin Clunes. Yes, first time any of us did, I think. Indeed. Mm. Uh, that was it for Twitter. Let's jump onto our second audio clip before we get onto Facebook. This is Martin Arnold. Hello, Time Lords. Um, this is the one where the doctor's dancing for his life, right? Oh, no, that's Flashdance. Oh, I think I've watched the wrong DVD. Um, so I remember watching Kinder as a kid. And that episode gave me the absolute ruddy fear uh, and, and did for years on end. So when... You know, it came time to watch season two of, of The Fifth Doctor and we've got Snake Dance. I'm like, oh no, not this again. Um, and for those reasons, those two episodes always stand out for me. Um, this is this is the superior one, I think. They're both very good, but the Kinder is kind of very, very strange and very oblique. But this one makes a lot more sense to the casual viewer. It's worth watching the DV extras, DVD extras, so that, you know, the, I think the writer explains the mythology behind it all, which is really interesting. And I, the relationship between the Doctor and Tegan always came off as a bit superficial, but I, I liked it there was a bit more to it. You know, he obviously cares for the character, obviously cares for Tegan, despite her being ultimately very cranky, because she does get put through the ringer almost as much as anyone whose name is Pond. So I give this eight still points out of ten. It's, uh, it's good stuff. I like it a lot. Cheers. Ah. Interesting. Excellent. Cheers, Martin. Thank you very much. Uh, over on Facebook, Miles McKenzie. Now, Miles, um, you sent us a couple of messages over the weekend at Comic-Con, and I'm very sorry we didn't get a chance to meet you. Um, but I did see you in the queue two times. I saw you, but you were very busy as we were. So um, at the next event, we will um, we will meet up. And I, I met him. I did get oh, to you see him, meet him right oh. right at the end of the day. Oh, cool, cool. Yes, he came over and said hi. So he got to meet half the blue box. Okay, <laughs> nice one. Uh, okay, so Miles says, uh, never even heard of this one until I found it on the bookshelf of HMV. Really? Uh, I've not seen the conclusion, but yet, but so far, good for me. Everyone was great. Uh, I've not seen as much as I've wanted of Davison, but this is leaving me wanting more. Gives it a oh, really? uh, 7.5 out of what he's seen so far. Oh, that's really good. Cool. Kevin Mullin says, It's fair to say I'm not a fan of The Fifth Doctor. I find nearly all of his stories as beige as his coat. Oh. But Snake Dance, like Kinder before it, is a truly brilliant story. Uh, rich dialogue and a multifaceted story make this a sometimes overlooked gem. An 8 mm. out of 10. Cool. Sarah Strang says, I hope you enjoyed LFCC. It looks like you both had a blast. Uh, I watched Snake Dance for the first time this week and the story romped along mostly. It was dark and interesting. Martin Clunes was terrific, but Davison spends a lot of his scenes doing this weird heavy breathing thing, which I found distracting. <laughs> you said uh, that, didn't you? Yes. Uh, not one I'll probably pick up again, but glad I watched it. A six out of ten. Fair enough. I agree with you, Sarah. Yes. Mm. Um, our writer, Maria Kalitichu, says, I love this story. I remember having a crush on Jonathan Morris. Oh. <laughs> uh, it has a small cast, but allows for an intelligent, enjoyable script and rich characters. Uh, a cynical world. Uh, Manusa and Martin Clunes is excellent as the bored aristocrat. Uh, I love the contrast of deep mysticism versus the commercialism of the bazaar. Mm. Uh, the regulars work well together, especially Sutton and Davison. Brian Miller is really good too. Yes. 
Thank you, Maria. Uh, Lewis Palmer says, not one of my fave five stories, but a decent one. Uh, I really enjoy seeing the Mara again. It's one of my favourite Fifth Doctor monsters. Other than that, it's kind of forgettable. But Martin Clunes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and five out of ten. And lastly, Joseph Howarth says, I will say it's as good as Kinder, but it's still... Uh, it's uh, not as... Uh, hold on. I will say it isn't as good as Kinder, but it's still pretty good. Uh, quite a dark story, clever writing, and it was quite nice to see Martin Clunes in that story. Great to see the Mara again. Once again, not as good as Kinder, but enjoyable. Eight out of ten. Oh, that's quite high. Yeah. Mm. Uh, did you have any uh, comments over on the Geek's Handbag? Yes, I did. Uh, Jason Howes didn't enjoy this one. He says, oh dear, that's all I can say about it. Oh, not a oh fan. Dear. Tim Keep says, uh, you won't believe this, but after watching this as a small child, I kept drawing the snake tattoo on my arm for goodness knows how long. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. It's creepy, that snake. Uh, Charlie Turner says, pretty good story, much better than Kinder. What? But not a standout of the Fifth Doctor. Um, he's sorry he didn't get to see us at uh, Comic-Con. Yeah, me too, mate. Sorry, I did keep an eye out for you. Uh, Charlie gives it a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Uh, Malcolm Paterson says, um, a story with a lot of potential. Clunes and Fielding were superb, but the dream conversations were a tad boring. Um, <laughs> little bit of polish and finesse. It could have been one of the great episodes. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, mate. Uh, it's actually a good example of a good story giving way to bad production values. And the snake at the end was very, was unfortunately one of the very worst who monsters <laughs> yeah that big old snake and yeah. finally uh bradley willard says a very weak and messy story in his opinion and a terrible follow-up to kinder martin clunes and janet fielding helped to portray the mara in an extremely creepy and unnerving way but for me it's nowhere near as effective when you compare it to the mara's characterization in the previous season I don't hate the story, just think it was a little has a little bit room for improvement. Furthermore, the ending is so rushed and forced that it leaves you questioning the plot holes long after the TV has been turned off. So it's not a good thing, he says, and he gives it five out of ten. So hmm, it's a mixed bag, and I get it, because I think I think it is a mixed bag. And it's it's one of those stories that me personally I'd have to be in the mood for it. But I think if I am in the mood for it, I find it quite enjoyable. So I really want to go and watch Kinder now. <laughs> Me too. I haven't watched, yeah. haven't watched Kinder for ages. Yeah, we'll get round to that one. But um, yeah. We will. It's yes. le like somebody said on the podcast comments, it's left me wanting more Davidson. So, yeah. That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. No. Nah. Uh, next week, um, we didn't get round to this one because last month we had to cancel an episode. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So... What are we doing next week, buddy? Uh, I don't. Is it is Cyber Woman? I haven't got the schedule in front of me. It must be. <laughs> Professionalism. <laughs> as ever. As yeah, always. It's Cyber Woman, isn't it? It, it is must indeed. be. Yes. yes. Torchwood, indeed. Cyber Woman. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of you that sent in reviews and stuff from the last time we were going to do it. So I've kept those. So that's all good. However, the rest of you need to watch it and, and send in your stuff. Right, cool. Yes. And I think we'll do there for 197. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for this pretty long episode again, 197. Mm. It's been awesome talking through LFCC and our adventures over there down in that London. Mm. Which is cool. I have no idea what the next event is, really. 
Me either. I think I'm going to be paying for this one for the next. I don't think I'll be able to afford to go to any. <laughs> That's you're not far off the truth, there, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So I've no idea what we're up to next, but we'll tell you when we have something. But mm. uh, also, it's cool to have a new image of Jody, I suppose. Yeah. That's quite cool. Just would have been nice if it had launched a bit earlier to be used in some material. I guess. And mm. if you do end up uh, ordering the class soundtracks, do let us know if they're any good, because we can't really remember if they're any good or not. I certainly won't be going back to watch it to find out. So. No. Uh, next week. <laughs> next <laughs> Sorry, week. that's a bit negative, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you only speak the truth, Adam. I do. Yes. He next... speaks the truth, Lord Baruza. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> next week, we're going back to Torchwood for Cyberwoman. So get that watched because we'll be asking you for your reviews and stuff on that. In the meantime, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can read all of the cool articles that our writing team put out on there as well. And there's also links to the social accounts. So if you want to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, we chat loads of Doctor Who during the week in between episodes. So give us a a like and a follow on there there's also buttons to go off to the various podcast networks so if you're on any of those just give us a sub so that when the show lands every friday you don't miss uh miss out on what's going on uh, the big are ones they are big red sorry are they big red buttons they're not i think they're oh, blue. like a big red button blue and orange <laughs> um and if you're an itunes listener that's the uh the main podcast network i guess if you could spare a minute for a review that'd be awesome uh, also check out Adam's channel, The Geeks Handbag. Geeks Handbag, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not. I've got some great videos coming your way. I, I really have. So. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm working on now four. I'm working on four, all at the same time. Wowzers! Oh no, I'm go- I'm going for it. <laughs> so check out Adam's channel on YouTube. He's also on Facebook and all the usual socials. Yeah. And until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Ad. And remember, <laughs> <laughs> remember. Uh... Uh...